fast car. intros in the game. Joined as always by my co-host, Optimal Audio. This is, the, even by the standards of my shit-ass intros, this is the worst <laughs> I've ever fucking done. Joined as always by my co-host, Caleb, Optimal Audio on RYM, and our special guest today, Class TK from RYM. Formerly Class the King, I guess he was ashamed of being royalty. I at least remember the fucking joke I had in my head. Uh, <laughs> This week we'll be we're doing one of our rapper discography episodes. Seems relevant because he just dropped what I would say is the best project of his career. I believe we will debate oh, wow. about that over the course of the episode. But um, it seems like that's a rather unpopular opinion. But we'll, what won't be an unpopular opinion is that Frederick, Frederick, what the fuck is wrong with me today? <laughs> Freddie Gibbs, Frederick Tipton Gibbs. The problem is I had all these clever ideas for the intro in my head, and then. Since we're only discussing half of what we're going to discuss, they all got jumbled up right before we went on air. So now I'm just getting nervous as shit. We're discussing Freddie Gibbs this week. We're going to go through his discography, most of his discography. We'll be skipping his early years because they don't seem really relevant to his later work. So we're skipping his first two Full Metal Jacket mixtapes. And we're also skipping the Live From Gary Indiana series. And I believe there was another one in between them on RYM. Um, we will be getting back to them in the future for a concept episode I just thought of that I think will be a lot of fun. But um, for the purposes of this episode, we will be starting with uh, Miseducation of Freddie Gibbs, which is a mixtape that I thought was going to be conscious going into it, but based on the title and the cover art, it's not particularly conscious. Although it does have the conscious hip-hop tag as a secondary. It's not. I, I feel like nobody <laughs> listened to the mixtape. <laughs> They're like, oh shit, he's going over like the X Factor beat, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think it's literally just the Lauren Hill cover. I mean, I guess he has conscious lines thrown in there, but that's about it. Yeah, there's no like common style. Let me sit down and talk about the plight of the black community track on this album. No, I don't think Freddie Gibbs was uh, was in that mode yet of his career where he would start doing that. Because he would, you know, even his early stuff would sprinkle it in here and there, but it was, I mean, this is so early in his career at this I point. I mean, he does have never-ending cycle on there, looking at the track list. That's, that's kind of conscious. It's true. No, I mean, like, he's always had that aspect to him, but I kind of feel like he came up with the title because it was clever and it would grab attention, but it was not exactly like, I don't know. This is not no. a conscious 
album. I yeah, feel like for that, sure. Yeah, it's more just what he was about early in his career, which was just riding music, trunk music, and this is probably not counting the early stuff that we're not talking about right now. The most basic he's ever been, which is still pretty goddamn good. Like for just, sure. Yeah, it's mostly more flows than content, but he's got punch hard punch lines on this. I don't think there's a weak song, but aside from the Devin song, I don't think there's necessarily a great song. Uh, Never Ending Cycle is good. Uh, wait, does uh, Never Ending Cycle is not on Nodima's? Um, yeah, it is. Never mind, I missed it. Yeah, Never Ending Cycle. That's a JR Rotem beat. Yeah, Ash. Like he's he was really responsible for a lot of disposable trash in that time period. So I'm surprised. I'm also dumb, and I didn't know that Devin produced the Devin track, which is awesome. I didn't know Devin. Devin a lot of his own shit from in like the mid 2000s. And I've listened to a lot of that shit a lot, and I didn't really know that. So I, you, you learn something new every day, I guess, for whatever reason. Is that the Devin track that's like just a sample, though? I'm pretty sure that it's all on his own album as well. Like, without Gibbs. Well, uh, the Waiting to Inhale? Yeah, is it? Um, I want to say, I, I, I want to say. Oh, it's on landing gear. Yeah, yeah. I was, that, I was looking. That when Devin was putting out so much shit that it was hard to keep up with. So I mainly know it from this project. And I haven't heard landing gear. So I was like, wait, I know it's not on waiting to inhale. So yeah, it's the last track on uh, yeah. landing gear. Yeah. Um, this is a good mixtape. I think Patrick kind of covered it. I don't have that much to say about it because I didn't go back and refresh myself, but listening to everything that came afterwards, I think this is a good tape, un- undeniably so, but you can kind of tell that he hadn't really found his voice yet, and finding his voice would come quickly in the future. Right. That was one of the things I noted. I went back and listened to all this stuff starting from here is that he just doesn't have the energy in his delivery that he would later. Um, I thought flamboyant actually was the best song. I think that's the song that comes the closest to the flows he would have later. Um, but yeah, I pretty much agree with what you guys are saying. Yeah. yeah I, I think we're really liking the closer a lot too. Honestly, I got into him based upon Nodima's review of the following tape. And so I heard both of these around the same time. And I never really came back to this one too, too much. I didn't dislike it whatsoever, but I never revisited it all that much. And I didn't revisit it for this project. I meant to, but my job has sapped me physically, emotionally, spiritually. So I slept a lot more than I wanted to. I was supposed to do a lot more homework for this. And this was one of the track, one of the tracks, one of the projects that fell through the cracks. So... But I do, I would recommend if you are a completist listening to it, because it's absolutely not bad. And I think it's useful as a starting point, more useful than the really early stuff. Because he does sound like himself, but he sounds like himself before he discovered himself. As an artist. Before he discovered his voice, as Class would say. Right. I mean, it's a seven, pretty much, right? It's the definition of a seven. It's yeah. totally list front to back. It only adds an hour of your time. There are no skips but there are only two or three tracks you'd ever really come back to. It's not something you would put on front to back on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I definitely agree 100% with what you guys are saying. Um, good tape, not great, but I wouldn't begrudge anyone like for holding this in high regard because 
it's most definitely like anything but bad, like anything Gibbs has put out. All right, so just for the sake of moving on to a much better tape that everybody should hear, fan or not, Miss Sweat, yeah, mid. I'm going to preemptively apologize because apparently I have a really bad case of not being able to pronounce shit, and this is especially hard to pronounce. Midwest get Midwest gangster box frame Cadillac music. This does not have a revolve. This does not have a revolve of the Outcast cover. Unlike, although I guess that was Freddie's thing right now was taking famous album cover album titles and reappropriating them for himself. That would be sick if he did a cover of that song. Well, this is. I mean, this, this is, is the most southern thing he's done, though. I would yeah. say. Yeah, I agree. I, I I listened to it in full twice again. Yes, I mean, I, I love this tape. I one of my favorite, like, it definitely up there in the Freddie catalog. But he, um, if you listen to this, it really sounds like it, um, like a mid to late two thousands, like southern, like dirty south album. Like it really sounds like that in the beats in his like delivery he, there's so many like pimp c odes on this album not even in just uh, the, oh the yeah obvious. i mean not even in like the obvious like iodine poison but just in general this album has like a pimp c feel it's got a tiny 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 like goody mob feel um not necessarily in like the consciousness but just i get a little bit of that too and like ugk obviously the biggest one uh, that you can hear but the beats his delivery like the hooks you can really hear it in the hooks a lot um especially those like first few tracks but this, this yeah. is a fucking awesome mixtape he's incredibly melodic on this that's what i think you mean about the ugk and pimp influence his melodies are really important to him on this both his flows and the hooks i think that really comes across on the first two tracks uh he comes right out the gate just with something that's going to be super catchy that you're going to repeat in your car and the beats match him on that the beats are fucking thumping on this shit just like super heavy super bassy um yeah the, the initial first three run on this just grabbed me so hard i repeated that so much when i first heard this and again yeah. for homework for this yeah for sure and i totally agree with the ugk stuff and i'm gonna bring this up later but if this is kind of what i miss about his early stuff is just how dirty south it was i mean now he's basically doing like a lot of boom bap stuff, but yeah, this album, I mean, he literally raps over a goodie mob beat, doesn't he, at one point on this? Yeah, he does. So, I mean, yeah, and I mean, you've got I'm the Man sounds super Houston with the chopped and screwed chorus. You've got How I Feel that just sounds like, straight up, he's trying to sound like Zero, which is not a bad thing. Um, but yeah, there's so many good songs on this album. More no, people that's, that's a good point. More people should try and sound like Zero, although maybe not because Zero's style is heavily in, heavily indebted to how much you can pull off charming singing that is not exactly good singing, and that's a very narrow lane. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I think he and I mean I, I think Devin can actually sing, but I think Devin kind of has the same where it's so there's so much charisma and charm that it doesn't really matter like what how exactly he's singing or like what he's singing about like it just sounds good still well devin's top 10 most charismatic rappers ever yeah devin devin i mean you could just throw on any devin track and it's it's so infectious and and that sort of thing i feel like this mixtape coincidentally is, is the same way like country bounce i think is super dope like listening to it yesterday um 
the way that Gibbs does the hook, and then he's like, he's kind of in the background on the hook, um, like singing those like little melodies. Like if you really listen to it, that's cool. Um, I'm the man. I know class brought it up. Get, that's like I think No Dima said something like that about how it, like when he goes double time, it reminds him of like Ti. That was that's a good, good uh, comparison, and I think my my the run at the end with iodine poison, just trying to make it one more time. Higher learning, higher learning, smoke the pain away. Like that should be that should not be like that should not work. It's like a ten and a half minute song, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> like. Well, I- think of that not as its own song but you think about like how dedication two ends where it's like georgia bush and then him over ambitions of Varida. yeah i kind of think of it as like a song and a bonus track that's maybe because i grew up in the 90s where you'd buy cds and the song the cd be over and then there'd be a bonus track at the end that's kind of how i view stuff like that like i don't think it's supposed to be taken as one thing as a whole so i don't really view it but it i'm not trying to take away from your point that ending run is incredible like it's super well sequenced it comes out the gate hard it ends hard like iodine, P- yeah, iodine, iodine poison is was my favorite song on here for a very long time because for obvious fucking reasons. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's hard to take like a. I mean, you put a title like that, such a classic verse, such a classic song. I mean, you have to show up. We named the Discord after that verse. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. That's one of my favorite verses ever. Like so, and and he he fucking killed that. Like, and I think. What I love about this is just how unapologetically, like, Southern influence it is. Like, you knew... I mean, Gibbs has said throughout his career that he's taken huge influence from Pimp C. Um, but, I mean, we all said, like, you can, you can hear it on this. And it, I think it's his best uh, mixtape. His best mixtape. And funny that it is his best mixtape because it came out, you know, so long ago, comparatively. Yeah, another thing I want to point out, uh, the Devin the Dude song on here, Freddie does the Superman interpolation a decade before Drake does. Yeah. <laughs> I, I picked that up yesterday. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, this is in Chicago freestyle. <laughs> oh. There's no depth Drake won't go to steal from another artist. <laughs> Drake stealing from Freddie Gibbs. <laughs> <laughs> He knew Alfredo was going to drop. And be- <laughs> exactly. Drake was like, you know what? I've got Drake. Drake's definitely heard some Freddie Gibbs. Drake has his. Drake's ears are always open to, you know, so depends on uh, how how what he wants to pull from a specific artist or scene. But Drake, <laughs> Drake is a huge fucking nerd. Oh yeah, that's Drake is a. I was actually talking about this with my friend from work the other day, is that Drake is a giant fucking rap nerd, and that's, like, one of his most endearing qualities. Yeah. Like, he, I think he genuinely likes the vast majority of stuff that he tries to do on his albums. It just doesn't always work for him. Yeah. And the older he gets, the more how-do-you-do-fellow-kids it's going to come across. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know he definitely fucks with, like, the Brooklyn Drill stuff. And those tracks are actually, I think, two really strong ones on his album. But I, it's funny. Oh, they were better than I ever expected, actually. I yeah. actually really like that project. That's how 2020 is like a miracle music year. This Drake <laughs> mixtape came out, and I like it. Like, <laughs> And it was like, it, it's like a Drake mixtape that a lot of people are like, eh, it's mid, whatever. And Patrick likes the Drake mixtape. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. 
Um, I skip it because it's Chris Brown and it's boring, but I, it doesn't make me violently angry. Like, it's a Drake mixtape song with Chris Brown, and I don't want to, like, hurt people or burn things. So it was genuinely a surprise when we were in the Discord, and Patrick's like, yeah, I think I like this mixtape. And I was like, this, <laughs> what, what kind of world do we live in? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, Midwest Box Frame Gangsta is just... Again, what's weird about this is I remember when this came out, him and Pill were getting the same buzz. And Jeez. I brought this to Caleb before the show, and I'm wondering, did Ross, because Ross signed Pill, did not work out too well for him, never even got an album out on MMG. Did Ross try and sign Gibbs too? And is that why, partially why Jeezy signed? We're, we're skipping way ahead in the timeline here, because Jeezy will become an important player in this story. But is that why Jeezy signed Gibbs to attack Ross? I think it's definitely possible. I don't know a lot about Jeezy's stuff as a label head besides, you know, the later Gibbs problems. Um, but I think that Jeezy and Ross, I don't think they were on each other's shit for a while, so there could have been beef there. Because I don't remember Jeezy being on a Ross album until Mastermind. Right, it was War Ready, and that was supposed to be a big deal. Like Right. That, and 187 Proof was on what? Because that was the big track where Gibbs was on Cold Day in Hell. Cold Day in Hell, right. Yeah. Well, wasn't Jeezy on the, like, Hustlin' remix, though? I guess that was way well, earlier was, than that. I mean, that was like, oh, well, that was like, oh, seven, maybe, oh, six. Like, there's there's six years in between that time. And I mean, we might be bullshitting. Like, you might be right, class. Have, I, I have no I idea. Mean, none of us know what the fuck we're talking about here. This was a theory I thought about yesterday when I was <laughs> about how Pill and Gibbs came up together, and I heard about them both together. And then the next time I heard about Pill was when he signed to MMG, and I thought, oh, Ross is trying to cover all of his regions. And then the next thing I know, 187 proof drops, and Gibbs is attacking everybody on MMG except for Pill. Well, he didn't really attack Meek. He mentions Meek, but he doesn't attack Meek. So, I, yeah, I feel like I feel like Meek's reputation was all like I think Gibbs w- didn't have really any ammunition to attack Meek with because. Their reputations were kind of similar. Like Meek was a battle rapper. He was a relative unknown. And then out of nowhere, he blew up and was like still kind of embodied the the streets of Philadelphia in, in a sense. I feel yeah. like oh, the, you'll, you'll hear stories about Meek being grimy, too. I mean, eventually Meek became like a big galvanizing figure because, well, the Eagles took him up as like the anthem. And, you know, eventually when that was a huge thing for the city, like obviously and the whole thing with him getting railroaded by the judge like everybody stood behind him on that that was bullshit but he also screwed over promoters there were people who took uh cassidy's side in that whole beef too there was an idea that meek sold out the city for a while yeah i mean i believe that because he kind of he blew up so quickly and then he was making a lot of like pop rap albums that weren't necessarily bad but like anyone could make them you know so (laughs) Like, literally, in terms of, like, he's, like, fucked over promoters. Like, he promised to do shows, and he wouldn't. He promised to do shit for charities, and he wouldn't. He would just, like, that type of shit. And, yeah, and people thought he was a cat. Like, I don't know. This is, tur- like, this is not the Meek Mill episode. But... <laughs> no, uh, I, it's good. I mean, the, the pill theory is interesting. I haven't really listened to a ton of his individual music, so I can't. Yeah, the one song that was big when this all dropped was Trap Going Ham, which I remember being an amazing song. Yeah. And the video, like this was back still, this was 2009, so YouTube wasn't like the monolith it is now. It came, He came out with like a trap music video that was just like document, like pretty much like 
ugly shit in the trap. Like, think the Pusha Exodus video, kind of. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a big deal. It went viral. It was huge on smoking section. He had a lot of buzz. I just kind of associated the two with each other for a while. They toured together on Gibbs' first big tour. And then, yeah, after the MMG thing happened, it went south. I have no idea what... Let's find out what he's done since. Let's see what Orwam says. I'm genuinely curious, actually. He has not put out a studio album. He had one single in 2010. He had a mixtape, I remember, from 2012. He has not done... He was on the Spring Breaker soundtrack in 2013. Shout out to Harmony Corinne. That's uh, that fucking awesome. <laughs> that might, that's his biggest look. I'm wondering what song is it, Trep Going Ham? Uh, no, it was a feature, I'm guessing. The only time you'll get a James Franco feature on your uh, fucking rap mixtape. It was Big Bank. Oh, yeah, that was probably the biggest song he's been on was Big Bank. That's where Rick Ross feeds his fish ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. He should have been um, He should have... He should have been on the Gucci... A Gucci uh, track, right? Because there, there were Gucci, Gucci songs. That should have been mostly Gucci songs. So Gucci was the villain in the movie. Yeah, quite literally. Uh, he actually says Burr at one point. It's awesome. Uh, there is one Gucci song on the track. It's Young Nigerians featuring Waka Flocka, which uh, might have been exclusive, although that's the most generic possible Gucci song title, so I can't place that. Right. Uh, I cannot either. does although, have best Waka songs on there, Fuck This Industry. It does have like that. That's a great song, and it also has the best cover of a Britney Spears song with uh, "Every Time." Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a great cover. It has two, three, four Skrillex songs. <laughs> oh, it was it was twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Actually, that many Skrillex songs in 2013? No, 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 no. Maybe if it was like 11, I would excuse it. But think about when it was supposed to be filmed and taking uh, place. True, yeah. So. Well, they have, what do they have? They have Wild for the Night on there. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm I, guessing. That's a I, guess. I will ride for Wild for the Night. I don't know why everybody hates that song. It's like, it's so funny to me. Like a lot of Skrillex songs, I don't hate them now, but I look back on them and I just laugh because of where he like i remember being in fucking middle school and like the like how big those songs were like i was like scary monsters or whatever when like the bridge is building up and then it's just like oh my god and it drops <laughs> it's just like why did people fuck like not, it's not a bad thing they're not terrible but it's just like how are these songs so huge house <laughs> like, parties bro that's the only time i ever heard skrillex songs I would hear them like in through headphones and stuff, but people were really fucking with Skrillex. No, from like 2009 to 2013, to speak to Harmony Corinne's soundtrack, yeah, Skrillex was pretty much everywhere. It was just like he found the sound that people were into. And I heard this shit starting in like 2007 at parties. Yes, to speak to Class's point, it was at parties. I'd started hearing this shit from like more clued in people, I guess, because it was coming from the UK. Obviously, America never has its own ideas. Yeah. And- but a lot of the UK stuff was like, it, it was a little more like nocturnal and like toned down in a sense. Oh yeah. Well, America doesn't have its own ideas. We steal other people's ideas and we make them louder. Yeah. No, that's literally what like quote unquote like <laughs> bro step was. Like that's literally what that was. It's like let's just make what if 
what if dubstep, but louder? <laughs> well, dub yeah, dubstep was like 2008, and Skrillex was like 2010. It was like, and somewhere in there, Diplo found a way to be more successful than anybody. Weekly PSA from Living Off Borrowed Time. Fuck you, Diplo. Fuck your goddamn gen- fucking genre humping, trend humping, year late, old town road, dick sucking country album. <laughs> asshole. I fuck. might have listened to 10 fuck minutes of you. Like, if, seriously, if, he couldn't even, like, he could have churned that shit out in 15 minutes. He had to wait a year. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Diplo, he was waiting a year to try to get the, uh, try to get three Lil Nas X features cleared. Good on Lil Nas X for not giving him shit. Like, Lil Nas X, like, you get the same thing everybody gets for the Old Town Road remix. The same fucking verse. Oh, my God. I like to think he would have given Dolly Parton a new verse. That's it. We never did get the Dolly Parton Old Town Road remix, though. But. All right. So, I feel like next... we got off topic a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we want, I think... We, we move got on to uh, Straight two. Killer No Filla slash the Straight Killer EP. Yeah, we've Unless got anybody has anything else about Midwest Box Frame. Yeah, that is next. Uh, I think because the Straight Killer No Filla, it's funny, it only came out a few days before uh, the EP. But Straight Killer No Filla is good, but the joke is it has filler. Oh, yeah, 21 songs, 77 minutes. Yeah, I don't really ever listen to this since the EP dropped. And the EP has a song that's pretty much better than everything on. With the exception of National Anthem and Rock Bottom, Oil Money is better than anything on the 21 tracks of the mixtape. Rock Bottom is one of the best early Gibbs songs. Maybe one of oh, the best. Oh, Crushing Feelings, too. Although, is Crushing Feelings on the fucking, uh, is that on the EP? I forget. Because that should have been on the EP if it's not. That's a fucking horrible decision yeah i mean it's not on it's not on the ep okay that's bullshit because crushing feelings is the second best song on here aside from rock bottom i think think live by the game is underrated i mean more more uh more ugk Oh, yeah. Live by the Game is awesome. National Anthem, Fuck the World, actually played right as they were doing the National Anthem when I ran my half marathon. I had my uh, headphones in, and I had a uh, playlist of, like, hype shit to run, and it was timed exactly to what my time, my ideal time should have been for the marathon, plus the 20 minutes of pre uh, prep or whatever. And as they were doing the National Anthem, that came on. I took that as a sign. That was fucking awesome. Uh, cool story, bro, I know. Uh I don't remember the pill song on this one. Um, the only song that I think from tracks two down, it's fucking awesome. I, I don't. The only song that I, unless like, you hate Big Kill, and I, I can understand hating the Big Kill feature. I find it, you know, amusing, but I can understand if you skip that. <laughs> no, I don't. I think it's like an okay song. I, I don't. Um, I like his voice. I like Big Kill's voice, um, but I don't. I just remember the other songs like grabbing me more, and I, I listened to this two days ago as a refresher, and I I remember the BJ song hit me harder than it did the first time, even though it's like pretty low key. Personal OG is a great great song. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, the J Rock song is fun because people were comparing those two when they came out, and Freddie went on to have this career, and J Rock went on to have that career. Um, so it's shout out Top Dog, best A and R in the game. 
Shout out Tom for fucking screwing over your artists. Shout out Reason. Anyway. Bill? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but Rock Bottom, I could talk about Rock Bottom for like... Reason and Logic would have beef. <laughs> I mean, he's better than Logic, but not, not by that much. Um, Rock Bottom is amazing. And it comes after... The thing I always like about Rock Bottom is it comes after the song that interpolates one day. Oh, yeah. So, it, it's is, cool, yeah. Oh no, that's ridiculous. That's a great one to. I don't think it should end on rock bottom because, like, obvious reasons. And Bun and Gibbs have such good charisma. I almost think that. I mean, I really like one one. Yeah, four six eight one Broadway is a good song. Slang and Rocks is a great song. Rock Bottom's a perfect song, and I kind of think it should end there. And if it's not going to end there, and since the EP came out like two days later anyway, just right. put oil. On there, put the other two tracks somewhere else on there. Get rid of Pussy So Amazing. I don't really like that song. Yeah, that song's not like, good. It's Gibbs, it's an early sign that Gibbs and Lady songs up until now and Lady Gators, which I play every time I have sex with my wife. Um, <laughs> why wear my yums from Soldier Boy? <laughs> hey, shout out Soldier Boy, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, seriously, Gibbs and Lady songs are very... Unless he's making story songs about women, which he's actually really good at, and we'll get to that later. Obvious choice from Ben um, Pinata on there. But uh, Pussy So Amazing is just not... It's not good. You could move 4681 Broadway up there and that lose nothing. Slang and Rocks is a really, really good song, but it's not as emphatic at the closer as Rock Bottom would have been or Oil Money. Like, Oil Money literally ends with Bumby saying it's over. He's talking about a blowjob, but still. Um, <laughs> Oil Money, is that the best Dan Auerbach like, chorus thing ever? Black Keys, by the way. We're including Black Keys in that statement. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I'm not a... I'm, I'm like, Black Keys are like... They're all right. I'm not, I'm not a Black Keys guy. I like the one Danger Mouse did with them, actually. It's one of the times Danger Mouse works for rock production, but... Oh, yeah, I like... I like some of their, uh, I like some songs on their their early albums, like Rubber Factory, but I don't, and I mean, I, I really, when I was younger, used to love uh, some of their, like, early, like, Thick Freakness, stuff like that, but I kind of, I don't know, I kind of, like, don't really fuck with it anymore, and the newer stuff was like, eh, yeah. I will ride for Black Rock. I think that album is so gimmicky, but it works really well. And I assure you, no one got paid for working on it because Damon Dash put that together. <laughs> it it, it would have been only worse if Birdman did it. <laughs> I assure you, somehow Birdman got paid off that album. Uh, class, do you have any? Which one do you prefer, the EP or the album? Uh, honestly, probably the album. I just feel like there are a lot of good songs on the album that are on the EP. I mean, like, yes, the beats aren't that good, but this may be my first hot take, but I think the rapping is that on Straight Killer, the album is better than Box Frame. Really? Yeah. I would disagree. I, I disagree. I mean, I think he is just, like, going so hard on this album. I mean, listen to National Anthem when the beat switches mid-bar, and he literally just switches his flow mid-bar, like, per perfectly. 
I mean, most beat switches, they cut in, like, with their new verse, and Gibbs just, like, keeps going. I mean, there are so many, like, fire verses on this album. I was, like, thought it was way better than I remembered it being when I listened to it earlier this week. I can see where you're coming from. The problem with your argument is that Midwest Box Frame was not trying to be a fire versus album, although it has fire versus on it. Something like that flow switch wouldn't would be a little jarring on that album. Although he right, does have- and yeah, they're taking different, they're doing different things for sure. I just thought Gibbs was just wrapping his ass off on this whole. Oh no, album. this is the precursor to the Gibbs that we know now that can just on a dime just tear a fucking beat to shreds. Right. National anthem, fuck the world, was like that first moment where I really realized this dude is fucking serious. Yeah, that 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 song is fucking crazy also um i think to your point class like i think on midwest or patrick made the point actually about it not trying to be like a quote-unquote like fire versus bro like bar son album i don't think gibbs has ever been focused on just that element like even in his early stuff when some of his hooks wouldn't land all the time he was always like a guy who spent like time on his hooks and like was about creating songs. And I think the thing that I like, the, I mean, I, I like the album. Like, it's still good, like everything else Gibbs has put out. But I think what I like about the EP so much is it took most of the best cuts from the album and Oil Money and just put them together. And I, I like think that. that's, that's what I like about it. To your point, Caleb, I would say that, that the whole thing about Songcraft is that's why he worked with dudes like Bun and Devin right out the gate and what they saw in him. Yeah was that those are people who they could spit like motherfuckers and people will say Devin can't fuck those people Devin's a fucking top 20 rapper I would say but for his style like he does like Devin doesn't need to go out there and do fucking triple time shit like that's just not his lane period but there, there are people who make songs that stick with you forever and like bung with UGK like that discography is airtight and right. the Pimp C influence that was all over Midwest Box Frame like that's what, and I feel like that's what was why Freddie and Madlib eventually down the road, and this is going to go counter to my whole thesis for the episode, but that's why they made such a great match. I feel like is that Madlib appealed to the rapper sensibilities and Freddie, but Freddie brought out the songwriting sensibilities of Madlib, which were there in Madlib if you looked at stuff like the George Animal Drow project and stuff he's done all over his catalog and scattered things, but they just complement each other so perfectly. Right. And I mean, I agree with everything you guys are saying. And I don't think that he's like a lyrical miracle rapper. Like, I hate that kind of rap as much as anyone. There's just so many performances on this where like my jaw dropped and I was just like, damn. I mean, rep to the fullest, too. That's like, think about that. What The way he flows on that, it's hard, but it's not, again, it's not like, to go back to somebody we were talking about earlier, Meek Mill hard, where Meek has poppy songs and Meek has songs where he's just like, yeah. Like, all right, all right, dude, we get it, we get it. And there's, like, a hard style of rapping. And, like, fucking Hell Rel used to do this to talk about Dipset, who clearly Freddie Gibbs was a fan of. If you've ever listened to his very first mixtape, you know Freddie Gibbs liked him some Dipset. Um, But, like, he has a way of rapping that's hard but appealing, where you can tell that he's going on a track with emotion and focus, but he still has that melodic quality to it. And that's the bun, that's the Devin, that's the pimp. Yeah, and, and you Gibbs' influences also, like, with these, you're, you can, when you listen to Rock Bottom, you can hear the UGK influence, but also 
you can hear him coming into his own as a songwriter. Like if you've ever been down and out, Rock Bottom is just like perfect song. I would say it's just as good as the Eminem song, which is one of the few Eminem songs that has not been tainted by how garbage Eminem has been for the past 15 years. Yeah. I mean, the good, thing, the good thing about Rock Bottom to me is I honestly think he saved the best B and the best chorus on the album just for Bun B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's definitely the best hook. And yeah, it's such a simple hook. It's such a simple sentiment that I'm going in circles, man. I'm going in circles, man. But who can't fucking relate? Who can't relate? Woo! And that, that song is way more impactful about like struggle and mental health than anything Logic will ever do. Egg fucking exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't have to grandstand about it or prostitute something like suicide. It's just talking about like everyday relatable struggles when you feel like giving up. And it doesn't have... Yeah. Exactly. And who, and who else better to hear that from from Freddie Gibbs? Like, you know, look, I was going to say no shade to logic, but honestly, no shade to logic. Fuck fucking that. shade to logic. That dude <laughs> talks about that song every chance, every time he gets a chance about how it got him blowjobs and seven figure paychecks. Other people's misery got you a blowjob. Yeah, no, fuck logic. Crap, logic crap. has not fuck been through the shit that Freddie Gibbs has. Yeah, like, Gibbs, like, you know exactly where Gibbs is from. One of the you know most impoverished areas in the country, historically torn apart by violence and systematic oppression, and like this is what this is what one of the the great rappers of this generation, and, and all time, in my opinion, if we're gonna go there, but it is is from, and so Gibbs has been at rock bottom. We know that we can hear that, and he doesn't need to tell us that. It's just it, it's common sense. Yeah. But anyway, if you're coming to Gibbs from a new per- new listener's perspective, I would say go with the EP. Although, once you've developed an appreciation for his style, the whole mixtape is worth hearing. It just does get a little exhausting. And Skip, pussy so amazing. Like, just skip it. It's not worth your time. Yeah, and so we want to move on to Cold Day in Hell? Yeah, Cold Day in Hell, which... If I recall, this was supposed to be his studio album, and this is right after he signed with um, Corporate Thugs with Jeezy. But fuckery happened, which will be a recurring theme with the Freddie Gibbs signs with Young Jeezy situation. First of all, incredible cover art. I love this cover art. Incredible cover art. A lot going on in, in the cover art. Um... There's a lot to support the Jeezy theory here in that you have two Jeezy songs on it. One bonus, one that I felt like was supposed to be a single. I believe Rob Mia was supposed to be uh, was definitely a single. That was a street single. Uh, we have a sequel to PSA, which uh, everybody wanted. And which is almost worse. worse. Yeah, I actually would say it is worse. I would say that until this motherfucker shows up again on the next mixtape, this hook singing Sebastian guy... Who may or may not be the Sebastian from Gib, um, GF, um, Ghostface Killers, not BFK, GFK's uh, Malcolm. Uh, fucking worst song in Gibbs' discography so far. Fucking hate that shit. Uh, and it's also in the worst point. It's like in the dead middle of the album, too. Right, right. after one of the best songs on the album. Exactly. And right before right. Like, the smoking song, too. And then the Juicy song. Like, it kills the fucking momentum. Like, that actually gave me a really negative appreciation on this album on first listen. Like... Yeah, it really... 
Also, Dom Kennedy, fuck out of here. Like, I'm just talking about shit I didn't like on first listen that gave me a negative impression. Because this was supposed to be a studio album that I actually would have gone and paid for. But it came out as a mixtape. The rollout for this was kind of fucked up. But in retrospect, it's on lower end of Gibbs catalog, but still really fucking good. The lower end of Gibbs catalog is still really fucking good. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing about Gibbs is that his floor is so high. His floor is most rappers' ceilings. Yeah, exactly. Like I would, I still have this at four stars, and I would take a couple tracks out. But for the most part, out of seventeen, it's super consistent. The two chain song is funny to hear two chains in twenty eleven. <laughs> the the one eighty seven proof, we all know that song. Like Justice League, I mean, come on. Um, the BJ song to kick it off is also good. Um, and freeway has the best feature verse on this album. Yeah, that that was my next point. I think the freeway track is one of my two or three favorite tracks on on, on the mixtape. Yeah. So when yeah. are you gonna hear a freeway verse like that? Brit produced Rob Mia. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Also, I didn't know Cardo did my homeboy's girlfriend. So I'm really done with the producer stuff today. Apparently. Hi. I mean, obviously, Justice League producing 187 Proof is the big, like, everybody knows that because it's, like, almost sarcastic that he did that to Ross. But I'm going to pay your favorite producers to make a Lex Luger beat. Yeah, I, uh, when I was listening to this, it definitely stood out. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just, no, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, I I can definitely hear the cheesy album here, um, but... I think a lot of these beats are just like knockoff Jeezy and like knockoff Teflon Don beats. Like, I don't think this album really holds up that well, other than Gibbs. The production I thought was like really Atlanta trap in 2010. Yeah, I can see that. I'd be lying if I said I really came back to it too much, but whenever I listen to it, I enjoy it. But I haven't listened to it in quite a long time. And it's not the Gibbs that we know now, for sure. I think yeah. he's doing. He's bidding on this album, and he'd hate to hear that. And I hope he never hears that. Okay. It, <laughs> but it has um, great songs, though. Oh, um, no, proof. Rob yeah. me. Uh, Two's infused with Jeezy is great. Band is great. My homie's girlfriend is great. Natural High is great. The Juicy song is great. The Chain song is funny, like he said. Um, I remember the last two songs being cool too. But again, it's like a template album. Like the last two songs are the sad songs about like dude to yeah. die. Like it's, and then Jeezy shows up again at the end. And there's like a lot of very trappy of the time production that already was kind of sounding a little stale. Yeah. I mean, even 187, like he goes off, but that sounds exactly like the John beat to me. I don't know. I think that was on purpose. That was on purpose. He was trying to sound like go over a Ross beat to diss Ross. Yeah. Which is hilarious, but. I don't know if the song is that good. I don't know. It's interesting because when I listen to a lot of early Gibbs, even now I can kind of take myself out of that and view it through that lens. And I think that's something as rap, as rap fans and fans of music, like we do anyway, because the greatest albums like will hold up, whatever, obviously we know that. But I think an album like this or an album, like, uh, like the last album we talked about, like those beats, aren't necessarily impressive for 2020 but in 2010 i still think for the most part these are good beats and it's just like a great mixtape that came out this year and then in 10 years we're like oh this mixtape is so great 
So I think this mixtape's still really good. Um, I, I don't, I don't listen to it as much as the next two projects we're going to talk about, but I think it's still strong, and I think Gibbs. I think this is an important tape for Gibbs. Yeah, and another point I was thinking is honestly, I think it's lyrically better than some of the stuff before it. Yeah, I think there I think there are a lot of good concepts on here. I, I think he's rap. His rapping is really strong on this. Like you, what you said earlier, that was the biggest takeaway. Well, I feel like he was hired to be Jeezy's attack dog, and that's what he does on this. He proves himself as a hard body lyricist over and over and over. Like, no matter what beat you give him, he's going to make it sound good and hard based on what he's doing over it. No matter what feature you give him, he's going to make them sound credible based upon what he does in the verses. Yeah, and I mean, I think Gibbs here really is showing the like conflict he has with the life that, that he lives. I mean... I just wanted to point out some lyrics on anything to survive when he's like, and my homie sister, a geeker, should I be serving her? Like he knows that what he's doing is because he has to do it, but he's not like condoning it. You know, he's not like propping up the gangster rap. I'm glad you mentioned that because that points out to one of my like points forward to one of my favorite uh, lyrics on Thuggin where it's like uh, he points out that he sold something to uh, was that where he says he sold it to her, but she probably suck his dick for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is thugging. Um and then he talked about he follows it up with like the I'm living on borrowed time or expiration date, I passed it. So Damn, we should send out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 should be that should be the uh, the intro song. <laughs> oh yeah, shout out to our intro song. By the way, completely unforced transition there that I didn't force in at all. Uh, shout out to our new intro song that Kit and Pete put in. That's actually our old intro song, but that uh, comes from a uh, June classic off the uh, Billy Woods album. Today I wrote nothing. The song "Borrowed Time." That's the outro. Be cool if we had an outro too. Shout shout out shout out to KP as always. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess BFK because I feel like yeah, we I talked mean, about this. Again. Yeah, I fucked up once again. Every album Dom Kennedy shows up on, he sucks. Does the same fucking flow. Same thing here. Fuck that guy. Um, yeah. BFK. I like BFK, his album. I love his mixtapes. I, I, really, I really... I've listened to this a couple times in the last few days because I think out of all the early Gibbs, I was the most rusty on this one. Maybe besides, like, Miseducation, but I didn't go back and listen to that. But this one I listened to a lot, and I was like, you talk about beats holding up the beats here really knock. And I mean, I was using a good speaker, so maybe like that was part of it, but the beats on this really knock. I mean, the title track, of course. A lot of them are by nobodies. Yeah, they're not like big name. I'm looking at the producers right now, and there's a lot of people. I mean, the Cook and Soul, of course. Oh, yeah. But... And there's DJ Dahi on here, but there's not a lot of uh, household names by any means. Every track on here except for, well, I'm not crazy about Go For It with Jeezy, but it's fine. It's whatever. I mean, at this point, Jeezy was going to be on two tr- like a track or two. And 17 more than makes up for it. Yeah. 17 the best song they've ever done together. Uh, Middle of the Night was, this replaces the PSA song, which is the worst song Gibbs had yeah. done. Yeah. Yep. That or, song is bad. It's, it's, not, it's not good. Every does a collab with Zero. Right. Or just about the influences. Right. And, and it's a, and it's a great and and 
that comes after the run of Crazy, Stay Down, and, and the Zero song. And those are three great songs. Um, the, the track with Dana Williams, he always kills it with Dana. They always make a great pairing. I think this is their first one, right? No, they did one. Uh, they did one before. Well, that doesn't really help. They did one before or after. Um, was the one after on the Static album, or was it on? What was the one on? Yeah, I think this is their first one. They did one on either the Static album or. The only other one I can see is he. They have one on Shadow of a Doubt. Shadow of a Doubt. Okay. Yeah. Well, they have one, they have one on Pronto too. Oh. Was that Pronto? Oh. Yeah. They've got Diamond. one. Diamonds. Diamonds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, so th- they're always a great pairing together. Um, and Kirsty this... and Gibbs, they're always amazing together. That's, yeah. that's why they're worst song together, and it's still good. Like I, I love, I love the outro love. on this song. I was listening to the song last night, and I remember like the outro is so triumphant. The first three songs on this mixtape are fucking ridiculous. Yeah, the title track to me is probably the best track. Just the way the it comes way- is so yeah. goddamn hard. It stomps out. Like, it's probably the hardest thing I'd ever heard from him up to this point. The way that, like, ha- like the sub bass on that beat and the way he just in the verses switches up the flows crazy, like, in the middle of each verse. And then each, each time he does, like, the flow switch, like, he'll go to, like, the double time. He'll end the double time, and it will lead right into the hook. I can't quote my favorite lines from the song at all on the show. <laughs> no, I, I can just I can just move my hand in in different motions as he's rapping. That's all I can do. A uh, Kush Cloud is one. Oh my God, Kush Cloud is like that's up there. That song and Ashtray off of um, well, uh, the Smoke Dizza Harry Fraud album, or like that was on my smoking mix for like two years straight. Those were the best smoking songs. Fish Cloud's great. Yeah, that's it. And the weirdest part about that song is it's produced by someone who has done like literally no other songs. I'm telling you, there are a lot of nobodies on this album who produce like fucking flames. So it's so funny hearing Space Goes Perp on a Freddie Gibbs. <laughs> of all people. Of all people. Like, and if you like, Space Goes Perp that year made albums that sounded nothing like this. <laughs> And it's so funny hearing him, like, this is still when he was, like, mainstream adjacent, and they were trying to, like, make him a thing. And I don't know if he just hopped on Gibbs because he fucked with Gibbs that much, or it was just, like, a, a CTE thing, but I, I, don't, know. I don't know. Why Why does Space Ghost Perp do anything? It's a great question. We, we should have... I mean, uh, is an answer for a lot of it, and Bipolar is an answer for a lot of it. I mean, that should be the title of our space, uh, Look at Ghost, Look at a Space Ghost Perp episode. But um, I'm going to see what else Wayne Blaze has done in his career. He's been on Baby D's album. We all know Baby D. Rocket, Rocket, Trey the Truth, Freddie Gibbs, and Hit Screwface. Shout out Wayne Blaze. You made the worst Freddie Gibbs song up to this point. And, and you're and the reason why. Probably the worst Trey the Truth song, too. <laughs> I'm sure. Like we can say that sight unseen. Wayne Blaze. Shout out! Shout out to Trey the Truth for just being a uh, in a plus rapper and human institution. One of the best voices in rap history. Doing a lot of stuff going on with the the protests and helping communities out. Always 
Always a legend. By the way, just so you know, if your relative's a cop, he's still an asshole, too. If your uncle's a cop, he's still an <laughs> asshole. If your dad's a cop, he's still an asshole, too. If you're a cop, turn off this podcast and then quit your job, and then you can listen to this podcast again. Right. The sensible thing to do is resign. Um, so, just, just getting it out there. I don't think we really need to make these public service announcements since only people in the Discord listen to this chat. This chat. This show. But just just saying. And the off chance you're a cop and you listen to this show. Stop. Quit your job. And then you can continue listening to this. If you're a cop and you listen to this show, you're listening to Freddie Gibbs. What do you think he thinks about you? Just saying. Also, also Gibbs uh, has yeah, Gibbs does the uh, the Dead Presidents beat on um, My Nigerian. Is that the most abused beat in rap history? It's gotta be. Gotta be. Or, the, the piano loop was so nice, though. You have to. Or 93 Till Infinity, which he also did on Miseducation. He did that really... He did that justice, though. And I wouldn't have expected oh, that. He did, for sure. And that was probably the first real sign that he could go over boom bap shit. I mean, because people were really surprised when Thuggin dropped. Like, I was surprised, honestly. And we all thought it was going to be a one-off, too. Like, when Shame dropped... Like, I'll get into it. I don't want to spoil everything. But, uh... Money Clothes Hose sounds like it's going to be stupid, but it's really hot. It's not as hot as the first three songs and the fifth song, or the sixth song. But it's it doesn't ruin the flow. It's the weakest song in the initial run, but it's still good. Yeah, the Kurt Cobain song isn't that good though. Eh, he has a low he has a low bar. Um, I like Pharrell's goofy ass hook that's not credited on RYM. Yeah, I don't I don't know why that is. He's on a he's on a diet. I think um I think the J, like I said the J Rock song is really good. Jada Kiss sounds great on it. Um, is that their but, only but yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> um, Stay Down's great. Box Rain Cadillac's great. The Zero Track. Um, we we all know Middle for the Night sucks. But the album ends really strong too. I don't need the bonus track. I I, I haven't listened to it. Yeah, I think that's the only time Gibbs went over mustard. Um, it's fine. I mean, he can do it. Doesn't necessarily mean I want to hear him do it. Like, it felt like a concession to the, that. Felt like a Jeezy concession. Like, I got a mustard beat. You know, this might pop. Do it. Yeah, I, I mean, it. at the end of the day, it's an 18 track album. And, I mean, well, 17. Let's take out the bonus. It's a 17 track album. And the only songs I don't listen to are like three songs, I think. So, I'm pretty... My, my point's about Dom Kennedy before Carry Over to Here. I won't do it again. But, yeah, he does yeah. the same thing. Um, yeah, the Dom Kennedy song, the um, the one, obviously, Middle of the Night, and the Kirk Bang song. Those are the songs that I will not play. But the rest, I think, is really good. And the point about nobody's making great beats. Um, great, great mixtape. Big fan of it. It holds up. Holds up the beat. The beats hold up. They're 2012, but they hold up. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you got anything for this class, or do we move on to the static? Nah. I'm All ready. Right. Static EP. Lord giveth, Lord taketh away. Um, this was one I listened to. Actually, did my homework on real quick. 
because I listened to something Gibbs did with Static on his best album, What Goes Around, uh, Carry On Him and uh, Joey Badass, which is amazing. This is not amazing, mainly because there's a lot of features on this that just take up space, which is a problem Static has. I've called him the backpack uh, DJ Khaled because he just packs his fucking tracks full of, like, everything's a posse cut, doesn't need to be. But this is... Okay, so this motherfucker on RYM has this gimmick where he's like, oh, I took you Lucid out of the Arm and Hammer albums. And I'm like, okay, what's next? Are you going to take uh, Killer Mike off Run the Jewels? Guess what was in my <laughs> morning? This motherfucker took Killer Mike off RTJ4. What? So, yeah, and so I asked him if he does a request, could he take uh, Corner Boy P off Smoking Potness? He hasn't done that yet, so he's not doing anything useful. Um, but if he's taking requests and he's listening to this podcast, take everybody else except Freddie Gibbs off the static EP too, because then it'd be really good. I um, think I think your review sums this up perfectly at the end when you said it's this is like a good EP and it's proof that Gibbs can transcend any obstacles in front of him, make a release compelling solely on the strength of his raps and personality. Like the fact that he can do all that is like with these fucking features. And the amount of them <laughs> on every song. And I'm sure Trey the Truth was better than I gave him credit for in 2011. But oh yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't. I haven't gone back and listened to this. Also, R.I.P. Fred the Godson. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. Sad. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about this this week when I was trying to get through all this stuff. So I don't. I haven't really listened to this since it came out. I remember thinking it was like a, a solid a solid EP, and Gibbs was really good on it. Uh, I remember the title track being the best song also. Of course, I would listen to the one nobody else listened to. It was only because I heard the fucking Carry On song just by pure chance. I was like, oh, maybe the EP is better than I remember it. Not really just because of all the features, but Gibbs does really well over these beats. Again, it's a predictor of how well he does over Boom Bap stuff. Although the Madlib albums aren't purely Boom Bap. Again, people who say that are being reductive, which will get to when we get to the Mad Lib albums. By the way, we're just going to get to the Mad Lib albums. We're not going to do the EPs as they came out, but just speaking as somebody who was around at the time, it was... We originally thought Thuggin came out in 2011 was going to be a one-off. Then Shame came out in 2012, and it was like, okay, they did another one. Another one! And then Deeper in 2013 was like, okay, are they going to do an album or not? So that's kind of how that was. They were all amazing and like perfect songs. We'll get to that when we get to the albums. But that's kind of where Gibbs' career was because it seems like he, judging by our chronology, he wasn't really dropping shit like at a prolific rate. But those did come out every year. So that's kind of where his career trajectory was. Meanwhile, he was signed to Jeezy and they weren't really putting out studio albums like that, which if you listen to his first studio album, he has something to say about that. Evil seeds grow naturally. He has a friend. Yeah. His name is uh, Lil Sodi. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of cutting stuff, I've cut all the Lil Sodi stuff off of, of this album. <laughs> I'm just going to say right now that this album is underrated on RYM. And I feel like it's only underrated because of Sodi. <laughs> I, well, feel, I feel like that. I mean... This album is 20 songs, and it's pretty consistent. I mean, I can go on and on about this album. I mean, maybe I'm about to overrate it. 
Um, I've listened to this album so many times. It's probably my favorite Gibbs album still, even if I'm not going to say it's his really? best. Really? I thought my fucking Alfredo saying his best project was going to be hot. No, take. that was not the hottest take. I had this album in my car probably for a year and a half. I mean, I know this album inside and out. I think this album's incredible, short of all the big kill and G whiz features that are just terrible. But I mean, I think Gibbs just, this is probably my favorite performance of his front to back. I mean, I think he just killed this album. What I'll say about this album is you can hear years of frustration of being promised something and having taken away from you of being manipulated. You can hear that frustration being vented on every single song and you can hear, but his song craft hasn't left him because I will point out the real G Money, Eastside Moonwalker, Freddie Soprano. I'll put those against anything, any rap nerd, any music nerd, any RYM nerd, what's put up from me on Pinata, Bandana, any of those. Those songs are just as good. And the Spice One song, too. Yeah, I mean, Eastside Moonwalker is incredible. Yeah, and the BJ song is incredible, too. Like, that's also, that took me a lot while to come to that song, too. I feel like people got overwhelmed. First of all, yeah, the Sodi interludes needed to be interludes. I mean, it's already 75 minutes. Just fucking make it, like, 30 tracks. Just put Sodi on other tracks. <laughs> like, come on. So, uh, and yeah, fucking the weed carrier stuff on this mostly sucks. Yeah. It's hard but, to I mean, I talked about the production on the last couple albums sounding kind of like knockoffs of his contemporaries, but this pro- the production on this album is fire to me. I mean, 100,000 B is crazy. The real G money B is crazy. The when lay the it down B is crazy. Yeah, when the real drums come out, when the real drums, when the drums come out on the real G money, that is like from a G to a kilo, from a meal to a motherfucking... Like, that is one of the hypest moments in music ever, period. That is up there with Flocka on, like, fucking hard in the paint shit. Oh, like, yeah. stomps that shit. It's amazing. And, I mean, he doesn't even need the overly technical rap on this. I mean, I think this is, album is totally him doing UGK again. I mean, he does so many slow, like, melodic flows on this. I mean, even we're talking about 9mm. I love that song. Um I love the chorus on Have You Seen Her. I love the chorus on 10 10 Packs of Backwoods. I think his best choruses are on this album, too. He has some underrated choruses on this album, for sure. And, yeah, he's going back to a lot of the melodic flows, but he's alternating them with, like, really aggressive, hard deliveries. And the lyrical content is just nonstop aggression. Like, the frustration is just coming out. The run... That one more just talking about it than I did listening to it more recently. So, yeah, I've appreciated it more since I first heard it. Because when I first heard it, I was hoping for the album that was coming out of the Mad Lib sessions and the best songs from the Jeezy sessions. That's not what this is. This is an album just venting aggression. And he lets Sodi say what he can't say. And his actual feelings come out in the way he raps about nameless people. But we know who those people are. Because yeah. we listen to real. Also, the run from Lay It Down to Fame is fucking incredible. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The, also, Fame is a testament to how well he raps when he's on with Legends. Also, that Spice One feature is awesome. And Daz Dillinger has never been more charismatic. And speaking of charisma, Problem has never been more charismatic than on 187. Yeah, that's the best Problem feature I've ever heard. <laughs> that 187 song 
slaps so hard to your point class like the production on this oh. yeah like that definitely holds up have you seen her amazing song like I all, think willie just, b with my favorite willie b beat i think on lay it down one of them anyway yeah i mean i think you can extend that to paper i think paper's amazing I, I, yeah i love paper in the last minute and a half i don't need I, I i'll give you i'll give you 30 seconds of sody shit talking but i don't need two minutes of him shit talking yeah and <laughs> then you get to the song. color purple i that's one of the only songs that i skip to be honest what do you I think of uh well certified live i think is one of the meanest songs on the on the album too j-rock kills that song yeah Kills that song. Nodima's underrating it in his review. Nodima, you're underrating that song. <laughs> the album should end one track sooner. Nothing can follow Freddie Soprano. Certainly not. No. Big Although, I do like his verse on Murder Them. Um, but yeah, the, the song's not needed. Freddie yeah. Soprano is one of the best Gibbs songs, period. Yeah. Do you guys feel like it's just kind of like okay, I'm done with all the trap stuff. Like, it feels like that's his, like, transition into Mad Lib songs to me. Well, this was during the sessions, obviously, like, like Patrick pointed out. So his rapping, and we know what his rapping is on Pinata. Like, we know what that is. So I feel like this is an elite rapping performance. The only difference between this and Pinata is this has some weed carrier shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and, for I mean, sure. The, the, and, the beats are, and the beats are different, so you know, music nerds on RYM are going to value it less. But the rapping performance on this is still elite. The hooks are still elite for the most part. The I mean, beat... it doesn't have, like, elite rappers like Absol on Lakers on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like that verse, but anyway. <laughs> Replace Absol with Big Kill. It'd be better. It'd be better. Yeah. That's what to fight about. That's what the beef on this episode is going to be about. Fucking, you like Absol on Lakers? No. Is he... We'll wait till we get there. I don't like Absol on Lakers. I don't. I don't like Absol, but I like Absol on Lakers. I mean, I like Absol at points. Like he's had some incredible songs, but he is the worst part of Pinata. I mean, that's fair. The part when he's like, and I don't, you go don't there. there like, so don't go there. Yeah, that part is awful. It's that so is the that is the 2015 rappers are hard to find, like a remote. Yeah, but that's the thing. If it was boring, I would agree with you guys. But it's not boring. It's kind of funny to me. Um, that that's the whole argument of like, if you're gonna be bad, be funny about it, and don't be like. It's the same thing with uh, my argument for I'm upset. I'm upset's f terrible, but it's <laughs> okay. I, I see your argument there because I still yeah. laugh at all. I just oh, heard, when I mention it, I just hear almost, I hear I got a lot of blood and it's cold and that just makes me laugh. The way he says it, like got a lot of blood and it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to, and I love the beat to that song. So you just, you he's upset, man. He's so upset. And also, it's like a meme now. Like I'm upset is a, it's like a viral meme. Like it's. Yo, all, I think the fucking Eminem "I'm the Way I Am" video came out in 2020. It would be a meme because he's like literally at a restaurant. Like somebody asked him for an autograph, and he's like throwing plates around and shit. It's like you are the most immature person. Like this is not acceptable behavior. That should be a meme. Like that video needs to go viral. <laughs> like, but then again, it's Eminem. Who cares? But still. yeah. Last things I'll say about this album: "Dope in My Styrofoam" is. The best West Coast song Gibbs ever did. 
sounds like a complete West Coast song. Yeah. That too. He's done a bunch of them. They're all really good. On 9mm, when he's doing the KRS-One interpolation, love that song. Um, when he does the part and he's like, this life, it's so strange. Put your family in the trunk, man. It's a very cold game. Like, that's mm. the scariest thing yeah. I've ever heard from Gibbs. Yes. Yo. That's what yeah. it about Gibbs is like the way he like does the little melodic flow switches. Like it feels so unforced and just, yeah. I mean, that's part of why Gibbs has some of the best flows ever in the history of rap. Like, and I think people, even before he made the critically acclaimed, like the really critical. I'm bringing ESGN up to a four now on RYM, at least. I'm doing that much. But. <laughs> you so, you, Patrick, you got to do that. I had it at a seven. I can't believe I still had it at a seven. It's obviously an eight. So, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean. You got to do that for BFK too, Patrick. But anyway. What the fuck? I had BFK at a seven? <laughs> That's bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, to, to people listening, if there's anything I get across this whole time, if you like UGK and 8-Ball and MJG or Goody Mob, you need to listen to this album. Yeah, and really Gibbs in his early 2010 days, period, I think. Like, he just the, the influence, as we talked about at length, is, is so huge from those, uh, from those artists. And, you know, UGK, Goody Mob, like those are, you know, April MJG, those are some of my favorite, you know, artists in, in rap. So it's uh it's a natural progression. And I really like your your take class on on how the, well this album holds up because I was playing it yesterday and I actually even though it's a long album, I spun it twice all the way through because I was enjoying it so much again. So great album. Yeah. I think it's a testament how good this album is that you can spin it twice, that it's so much of well, it feels like it's so much of the same aggressive shit, but he really does switch moods. He switches regions. And that's another thing about Gibbs is that he has a lot of regional influences, but he doesn't feel like he's just like swag draculing, like Game or Drake or somebody. It's like, okay, now I'm into Houston, so I'm going to take a Houston thing. Or now I'm into the Bay, so I'm going to take a Bay thing. Like he feels really, like he makes it feel organic. When he has a Spice One feature, it feels different than when he has a Zero feature. For sure. It feels like he is able to convey this sincerity within both. It doesn't feel cynical. Yeah, he, like, we talked about this earlier, but, like, Gibbs is equally just a massive rap nerd, but it's not in a way that's, like, you know, how do you do fellow kids, Drake way. It's, like, I'm, you know, not only am I genuinely influenced by this, I'm going to make these songs and i'm going to get people from these regions on these songs that i you know uh listen to and idolize so much and i'm gonna pay debt to each of these scenes in like a genuine like way and express that through and you can hear it in his in his you know melodicism like i'm making up that word like you guys said and i think esgn and to a lesser extent some stuff that comes later is a is a direct um not like when he does like the iced tea breakdown on fetty like just a lot of a lot of subtle nods that you might not catch the first time all right so is pinata the next one it is yeah that is the next one there's that like dj fresh ep that comes out around the same time yeah we could do tonight show but in the interest of time you should listen to the tonight show on all the most of the tonight shows are good the right one isn't but the rest of them are good all right pinata Sucks. No one cares. Really, <laughs> so, moving on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this, 
pretty much the album where most people started listening to Freddie Gibbs, I feel like. Yeah. It was the first, I heard it like, I mean, I had gotten into music. I was really into, before I really got deep into music, I was previously really into like mainstream rap and like a lot of indie rock and stuff. But I think I got into rap like seriously around like 2013 and Gibbs and Pinata came out in 2014 and that was my introduction to Gibbs and it immediately had me scurrying to listen to other Gibbs um because that's how good this album is i'm sure we could all go- talk about this album for a very long time my one piece i'm gonna say is it has some of my favorite rap songs on it nick's is one of my favorite songs ever um that piano loop the scratching it is one of the most like effortlessly like nostalgic songs mm. that i can think of i remember a period of time in high school where i would listen to that song like religiously I remember my sophomore year at college, I would listen to that song for like, I listened to Pinata, but especially that song specifically in playlists and stuff for like a month straight because of just, I couldn't even tell you why, but just like the way it makes me feel. And the outro, even when Gibbs is talking shit in the outro about like, oh, you know, Lambo, like we killed y'all in the 90s, like with MJ and da, da, da. <laughs> like, obviously, you know me, big basketball fan, like all the basketball references and like, where he goes from the first verse where he's talking about Jordan dropping 55 on the on the Knicks and in 96 and how like some of them didn't, you know we were just in middle school and trying to get by and then he goes to 2005 in the second verse and how a bunch of his friends from his younger days didn't live in 2006 because they were getting killed by the cops or they were going to jail or they were doing X Y and Z. Thankfully, we don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that kind of song like. It doesn't matter who you are. I feel like when Gibbs is at his best like that and the song evokes that level of nostalgia, at least for me, nostalgia for a period of my life that like I, I shouldn't even have nostalgia for. You know, it's that kind of thing where it's just you can't even speak to what it's making you feel like. But that whole the way the song rides out, one of my favorite things in rap is when there's a beat I really love that rides out. I'm sure we can all speak to that. But yeah, Nick's is Nick's is amazing. I don't want to talk about it anymore because I'm just gonna keep droning on about how much I love Nick's. Um, but there's a bunch of songs on this album like that. So yeah. Class. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, you put it perfectly. This album to me has gotten better over time. I probably hadn't listened to it in a couple years, and when I listened to it this week, I bumped it up. I mean, it's just classic song after classic song. Yeah, there's really nothing I would change about this album. Even Absol's clumsy-ass verse is charming in its own way because it fits the L.A. theme of the song. Um, there's, like, again, I was talking about the rollout because it was interesting to me. Mad Villainy is my favorite album of all time. When I went from being somebody who enjoyed and appreciated hip-hop to somebody who made hip-hop their favorite genre that they were obsessively checking for was Mad Villain. That was the tipping point. And kind of... Gibbs doing this album with Mad Lib at the time he did it, at the time of my life, was just, like, serendipity, I guess. I don't know, for lack of a better term. And every song on this album hits me in a certain way, a different way. I feel like Gibbs is a rapper on this, does something different and remarkable on every single song. Um, 
I think it's a testament to the fact that this album is so good that Scarface, the intro, is one of the weaker songs. But like just the way he cultivates an atmosphere, the way Madlib constructs albums with the found sounds and just the fact that you can hear two seconds of it and know it's a Madlib song, that that and Supplier and Scarface work together so much as an intro, then you get into deeper. One of the best songs anyone's ever fucking made, by the way. The way that it's like fucking string saturation on it, the way it sounds so goddamn warm, it sounds so beautiful. And then you have, fuck, yeah, it's high, sounds like a goddamn, like, circus calliope. It's just so left field and whatever. And people were saying that, like, Madlib was safer on this album. They say it again on Bandana, which also doesn't true of Bandana. But, and Danny and Gibbs are always great together. Harold's incredible sense of time and place on that song. The images he comes up with. Yeah. Like, he just, it's like he's creating snapshots with every other bar. He's taking you there. You can smell the food. I have really corny lines in my review of that. I guess one of the best Raekwon verses in years on Bomb. Uh, Thuggin is that, like, that beat on on Bomb. Sorry to cut you off. The the beat on Bomb where it builds up, builds up, and then it comes right in. He's like, "Slam, man! Drugs got me waking up in cold sweats." Like when that beat comes in, it's, it's gorgeous. One thing we haven't talked about enough or at all in this podcast is Gibbs ad lib game. Oh, yeah, Gibbs has some of the best ad libs in the game. And you can hear it on Harold's when he's like, you know, fries and like all that shit on the backing track. Like yeah. he's fucking funny on his ad libs. Like and he's great. And like when he just comes into a track, like slam it and like yeah, like all that shit. Well, Gibbs he, is just funny in general. He's like such an ingratiating personality. Um, yeah, and uh, Thuggin has like the cleanest madlib beat I've ever heard. Those strings sound like. People yeah. talk about Madlib putting too much like fuzz on everything. Oh, it's just like a lazy stoner just ran something through like a filter on Audacity, like he's the caretaker or something. Like no, fucking like he makes that sound so immediate. Like there's nothing in the room but you, Gibbs, and the strings, and it's sounds like nothing else in his or Gibbs catalog. And it's one of the best gangster rap songs you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's proving a point before real, where it's like there's this ideal of a gangster rapper that signed me. And this is what I can do. This is what he did with me. Here's what I have to say about him. And then Uno, I'm number one. Yeah. And, and then Uno, Robes, here's the new guys. The best Domo verse of all time, by the way. Yeah, you ain't shit if you never struggled. Like yeah. that that's you could put that on a fucking tombstone, man. Earl like, yeah. kills that song too. I love the fucking Passion in the Wise article where they're in the studio with Freddie and when he's hearing it and they're listening to his verse and they're literally jumping up and down on the couch. Yeah. That, that like, there are so many moments like that. Like, Thuggin' is one of the best songs. You could argue has the best Gibbs verses. Like, you could, or, there's so many things you could, like, go back and forth in this album. Like, which track is better than that track? Like, oh, you like Robes more than, like, Real? You like Real more than Thuggin'? Like, Thuggin' more than Real? Like, Real is one of the five best diss songs ever. Like, that beat is so fucking neat. It took neat. me years to realize that the title is a fucking Tupac-style acronym. Remember, everybody ain't loyal. Yeah. And, like... Course, but, Gibbs loves Tupac. He would do something like that. And that's the thing. The way that he switches it up in the second half, too, of that song... When it takes your like, world. Right, exactly. Like, don't, don't make me expose you to those who don't know you. Like... Come on, man. Like, Gibbs is so fucking cold on that song. Like, so I just realized he did a sequel to Rock Bottom Broken with Scarface. Yeah. He did Rock Bottom with Bun B, and then he does the sequel with Scarface. You hit Rock Bottom, you're broken. 
Yeah, and Gibbs, I always thought that he had a, a big Tupac influence and a big Scarface influence. Oh, yeah, for sure. And by the way, Scarface fucking floats on that song. He's like, you know, they, you know, people don't like live or, or let live, so I keep pack a 40 caliber because that's how shit is. Like, the imagery, like you said, all over this album, like every feature, every beat, every verse, there is nothing out of place. And Broken is a beautiful song. Gibbs talking about the relationship with his dad. Like, you know, I definitely relate to that. Like, there's a lot of, there's so much like relatability. You're not in Gibbs' situation, but it's so universal that it doesn't matter. Yeah, we didn't, and we haven't even mentioned Shitsville. <laughs> yeah, well, all the flows. Talk, and about, talk about Mad Lib not playing it safe. Yeah, there's so much on, like, I feel like in the same way that you get an encapsulation of all of Gibbs' career up to this point, like, synthesized into this rapping monster, Mad Lib 2, like, he takes his whole approach. He hasn't changed the way he crafts an album, but the way he crafts beats, he's not the same person he was when he made Mad Villainy. And when he made Mad Villainy, he was already the best producer in the world. He hasn't been fucking asleep for 10 years. Like, he's doing it even better. Like, fucking sounds like nothing else he ever made. Shitsville sounds like nothing else he ever made. He'll do regional homages, but he's not ripping people off. He's not stealing samples. Like, fucking Justice League on uh, Thug Cry. Shout out to my uh, obligatory shitting on Mastermind that makes an optimal mad. But It doesn't make me mad. I think it's like, okay. <laughs> it's just funny that I, it's one of the things we do. We have a long list of things that I'm obligatory to shit on. Diplo, check. Logic, check. J. Cole. We haven't gotten to shitting on J. Cole yet. I'll find an excuse. But <laughs> Also, the big time Watts beat is great. So I feel like the. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I've actually come around to loving that interlude, too, because he's so drunk on it. <laughs> <laughs> also, the skit at the end of. Uh, is it robes or the skit at the end of Thug? Is it skit at the end of robes? The Master yeah. P deal? I got a Master P deal. He's like, bitch. <laughs> and Mad Lib changes the beat. Like, yeah, yeah. It sounds like an accordion almost. <laughs> it's really it's really funny. And Shame, I mean, we kind of alluded to it earlier, but Shame is perfect. Yeah, BJ the Chicago Kid deserves to have, like, a fucking blonde of his own. He's perfect on pretty much everything. I feel like he really, like, and the only album of his I heard is Pineapple Now and Laters, which was good, but yeah. didn't stick with me. And I feel like he's talented enough to make a classic album, so. He is, but I feel like his, his last couple haven't been, haven't been there. Like, he's, he's made, his albums have been, or at least his last two were, like, mixed bags, um, which is a shame, because. It's a shame. It, it, oh, yeah, oof, oof. Killing, I, I walked right into that one. Um, but yeah, what what do you think about uh, the the title track? I, I think it's necessary. The the oh the, yeah, yeah. I, um, I think it's cool. Um, I think only Michi really does it justice. You like Mac on it or no? I've liked him better with time, but it's not the best Mac verse. Mm-hmm. It's a little too long, but I agree. I I like it better with time too. Like, at the first time I heard it, I was just like, all right, like, it's not horrible. I have like, no idea why G-Wiz is on it. Yeah. <laughs> G-Wiz, the most third-tier odd future person you can get. Somebody I don't even recognize. I know their name, but I don't, like, Saluman? Saluman? Yeah, no, no idea who that is. And, yeah, we got Domo again. Domo's cool, whatever. Like, 
You really only need the one. The thing is, I feel like you don't need Domo again because Domo just spit the verse of his. Domo gave his devil in a new dress. Az life's a bitch. Thing. Like yeah. there's no. After those first two bars, there's no other Domo verse you ever need in your life. No, you're you're right, a hundred percent. Domo like, and he's he's good on it. I don't want to shit on Domo on for the. He's for, he, he's probably second best behind Michi actually. Yeah, I would I I agree. But he's not. It's not like he already gave you robes. You didn't need the second verse. It's like it's like Rick Ross on Monster. Yeah, Rick Ross basically does an intro on Monster. I never really considered that a verse. Right. Exactly. It, it, he admits he's fat. That was I think the first time he actually admitted he was fat on record, which is the first time he told the truth. But <laughs> uh, well, then of course, then he turned it into I'm fat, but I have Wingstop, and I'm a good uh, business owner. So it worked out for us. I mean, that's that's really just, like, truth and branding right there. The fat guy would know food, right? I mean, I'd be very, really cool. But um, the bonus tracks, since we didn't cover the EPs, um, they have Deep and Terrorist, which are also two of Gibbs' best songs. Great, great fucking songs. Gibbs just, right, like, yeah. Gibbs couldn't make a bad song around this time. Truly, um... Yeah, if you haven't heard this album, I can't imagine anyone who... I literally can't imagine anyone listening to this podcast who has not heard this album. Yeah. Right. I mean, it has, what, like, you on almost 13,000 ratings, 12,000 ratings? Yeah. It's got to be one of the 10 most rated albums of the 2010s, probably. That's, that's a guess. Maybe, maybe like, 20 most rated albums, but... It's number two. What was number one in 2014? Hang on. Oh, number two. If, if it's Swans, I'm going to murder somebody. It is Swans. Fucking Christ. Motherfucker! <laughs> Alright, so the act... So the, no, I'm not going to make that joke. Um, it still sucks. I mean, it doesn't suck, but I just don't care like, about it. Um, like, if if number one was Black Messiah, I could yeah, let Black it... Yeah, Black cool. Benji, I would have been mad at Benji, too, because I like yeah. way more Moon than Benji. Um, yeah. I Benji's three... Benji's a six for me. Um, and I also find uh, Powers That Be Part 1 not great either yeah, it's like okay yeah You're Dead I've been fine with You're Dead's a 10 for me um, you're de- yeah You're Dead You're Dead is a great album I would I could understand that Pinata Beats I would have been fine with Pinata yeah, <laughs> <want> Beats <laughs> it got, uh, yeah. 2014 it was released like way late I thought it was really fun. um St. Vincent self-titled, I really didn't listen to that much afterwards, but I really loved it at the time. Uh, 2014 was a weird year. I'm trying yeah. to look through. I think the, the two, the, I had two albums from this year at fives. I had uh, Freddie Gibbs, I had the, the Pinata, and then I had uh, Monster. Yeah, I think I had Pinata and You're Dead, and that's it. Yeah. Mo- Monster, Monster is my favorite future project. It means comedy, uh, Dark comedy, some days I want to put it at a 10, but I think it's a 9. See, I, I like dark comedy. I know we had that discussion. I like uh, open like Eagles stuff that came after more than dark comedy. Although, the way things have gone in the world, I think Brick Body Kids is hitting me more lately. Brick Body Kids is really fucking good. Oh, man. A fucking niche Buckethead release at 69. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, <laughs> 2014, really, 2014 really was good. a weird year. Oh, one of the best Spoon albums in 73. The Apex Twin album is in the top 20. That's good. That's a great album. 
That is a really good album. I didn't listen to it that much. But. The Grouper album from that year is really good. Grouper is somebody I don't really listen to. Like, like I have to get really depressed and then listen to a bunch of her shit in a row, generally while laying in bed and being useless to society. <laughs> Looking at my list, I feel like most of the good stuff this year were like mixtapes and EPs, honestly. Oh, yeah, should I, I look mean, at my list why am i looking at the rym list these people don't i mean i'm looking you have the waters great album you have hell can wait by vent staples you have sylvia demo you have faces yeah well faces would probably be up in my probably number like number oh yeah faces 2014 that's my number three behind you're dead and uh faces would definitely be up easy faces took forever to hit and sadly faces took mac dying to hit yeah, which just, I mean, I I get it, and I, I, I'm the same way. And it, it sounds terrible when you say it, but it's, like, kind of, it's true. Because you kind of listen to it, and you're like, this is really good, but it's also a little edgelord. Like, okay, you're saying this, you're saying this, like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. He really was yeah. doing all the drugs. Yeah. 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 It, becomes, <laughs> it becomes a lot sadder. Um I think my number one would be Pinata still, and then I think I've had Monster, and then maybe Faces. Um, yeah, maybe maybe Ear Dead would be close. As basically all the stuff that we've talked about would probably be up there. I mean, like I said, Monster is like my favorite Future project, so I that, I that know, be... never hit me nearly as hard as Beast Mode. I know but... I always got upset at you for that. <laughs> I feel like the way Zaytoven crafted the beats and the way Future uh, approached the beats on Beast Mode was so much more than Monster. And also, 56 Nights, I feel like I need to reevaluate because that hit me pretty hard last time I listened to it. 56 Nights is uh, amazing, but it's, 56 Nights is probably my fourth favorite Future, but it's still uh, ex- yeah. uh, excellent. Thirty Spray just, I'm not, I'm sorry, it's just too much of, there's, there's gems in that, but there's so much of the same. So much of the same on that. Uh, we are gonna fight when the future episode happens. I, I, the dirty sprites. Oh god, how long is the future episode? <laughs> <laughs> the dirty sprite two slander will not be tolerated. <laughs> I can't listen to too much of the same shit. Nine out of ten for this currency tape. Nine <laughs> out of ten for this currency tape. <laughs> dirty sprite two, I will argue, is very is well. This is this is a terrible sign. Very varied. Two different words, but yes. Um, yeah, like to me, thought it was a drought doesn't sound like serve the base, doesn't sound like where you at, doesn't sound like groupies. Also, serve the base pretty much sounds like uh, the it towers over everything else. That's another thing. It's too early in the track list, it makes everything else sound inferior to it. Serve the base is amazing, but serve the base towers over oh, there was a drought. Serve the base towers over blood on the money. Okay, so- all right, we are getting so off track. All right, we are- <laughs> you know, uh, her. Uh, you're also a cop. You can't listen to this podcast anymore. We're, we're making a list, checking it twice. Um, fucking, what's next on the list? I gotta go back to Gibbs tab. Uh, shadow, shadow. Yeah. Uh, so one thing, I, one thing I want to say before we get to that. Um, right after Pinata dropped, Old English dropped. Oh, Old I English. Legit- yes. I, I legitimately I thought Gibbs was gonna blow up. Yeah, because that well, was. Well, we thought Thug was gonna blow up, and that hasn't really happened either. <laughs> I mean, nah, Thug is very. Yeah, thug, I, is, like, thug is. Five people know who Young Thug is. Thug is extremely popular. He just doesn't sell records. Like he doesn't. Outside of his last album, he doesn't have yeah. a 
big sales numbers, but Thug, any mainstream rap fan knows who Thug is. And, and if you look at his, his YouTube, is crazy. He's got videos with like hundreds of millions of uh, plays. Like I said, he just doesn't he doesn't sell. Um, but he, festivals and shows, like he he's big, and he's on other people's shit that are more bigger than like that sell more than him. So Thug. Not like a top forty iHeart Radio rapper, like, but you thought the Post Malone song would make him that, I guess. Yes, 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 that's true. Like, if he's been on tracks of Post Malone, so you would think that he would be one of the like ten most popular rappers in the world, but he probably isn't. Um, for whatever reason, I, like, he's his biggest future, but he's not at the same time. If that makes yeah, sense, yeah, he's not. Like he's almost—he he is, but he isn't. It's weird. But you're right about everyone knowing him. Yeah, because he's such uh, an eccentric as well. He's so unique. My wife didn't know him as of last year, and she's a pretty good barometer for what the everyday person who only listens to the radio and Spotify is what she likes listens to. She didn't know him until the Post Malone song, and then she was like, "This dude has a weird voice." And I'm like, "That's the most normal he's ever sounded." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we? Real before Shadow of a Doubt, do you want to do Pronto quick? I oh, of course, yeah. Pronto is one of the best things he's ever done. Yes, amazing EP, his best EP, three incredible songs. Not a wasted second on this. White Range is one of the best songs of that year, and one of the best Gibbs songs. Period. Diamonds is the best clap. Yeah, it's yeah, fuck. yeah. Diamond, how did Diamond? Diamond should have blown up. Should have blown up. Diamonds is. The way that like hook is so smooth and Gibbs, man, like Gibbs can rap on anything. Like that's you- the thing about his versatility. I hate when people call him mediocre or mid or whatever or just the same shit. No, have you listened? Like they clearly. Yeah, that's an that's an asinine statement. It actually makes me angry. Yeah, like he's the oh. versatility is is evident. All you have to do is listen to like two Gibbs albums. Listen to ESGN and listen to Pinata. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's that should tip you off right away. To say nothing of everything he's done in the last, you know, five years. Yeah. So, optimal. You uh wanted to talk about Shadow of a Doubt a lot, didn't you? Oh yeah, because I said I was gonna I would ride for it a lot because I think that it's it's not misunderstood because its rating is decent on RYM. It should be higher, but I think it's like. Because this came out after Pinata and the expectation level was so different. Also, my thesis for this episode is that Gibbs is not two different rappers, but the two subsets of his career. You go from Miseducation to ESGN, and then you go from Pinata to Alfredo. Like those are the two sides of Gibbs' career. Because I think this album can sort of predict like the You Only Live Twices of of the world and like the Freddy and stuff like that. Not even I, just not even in just the beats, like just his rapping is he'll give you like this kind of album and it's like very dark and like nocturnal trap, like gangster rap, but there's also like you get the extradite and you get like a rear view, which I think is one of the most underrated Gibbs songs. And the last the run from Forever in a Day to the end of the album, like all Four classics to me, honestly. Insecurities took a little bit to grow on me, but that's an amazing song. I kind of see what you're saying. Um, again, I had a fully formed negative opinion of this based almost solely on Basketball Wives on first listen. Very jarring. 
But uh, I will say that Extradite and Fucking Off the Count, back to back, two of his very best songs. And I feel like there's a thing to be said about Gibbs versus a legend that makes him step his game up so fucking hard. Like we saw it with Pimp, we saw it with Bun, we saw it with uh, Mad Lib, obviously. Like he sees a legend, he recognizes it, he steps up his game. And also album sequencing. And I think that's the thing that, that yeah, that's the thing that fails him on his album is where Basketball Wise is placed, makes people give up on the album. Yeah. But yeah. Rear views. I really think just start. Um, I feel like again with the legend thing, you have he has Gucci and E40 on the same song, and it's dope. It's not the best song it could have been because I feel like they don't give their best efforts. They give good efforts though. It's like it's cool, but they don't kill it. I love the I love the hook on that song. I love McDuck because it's a reference to Ducktales on a gangster rap song. Yeah. Also, another great collab between Dana Williams. Dana Williams. Fucking Up the Count is one of his most melodic trap songs and just yet another testament how good he is at that shit. Also predated uh, 20 Carat Jesus when he when he did the OJ the Juice Man. Oh yeah. I mean, to me, to me, what makes this album great, and I kind of, sometimes I just reduce albums to this, where it's like, it's 15 songs. I very much love 13 of them. And to me, 13 out of 15 is a great album. And that's kind of like how the simplest terms I can put it in. Like, I, I think basketball. You like more than you dislike by a great margin. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really it. Like I could, I, I think there are merits for Gibbs's rapping on this album being fucking incredible. Like for the most part. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is I think he has half a, what you're saying about it being the kind of right after the split in his career, he has half a foot in, or half a foot. One foot in like the old Jeezy industry model and half a foot in the new I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want model because he still has like the trap songs, the lady songs, the that sort of thing. And half a foot in, what I keep saying the phrase half a foot? Um, the other I don't know. It feels like there's a little bit of a compromise in what he's trying to do content wise on this album. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go up to 13 songs. I think it's a little more... Uh, inconsistent than that but i think the highs definitely outweigh the lows for sure yeah it's not a bad album by any means i think the only like i said the only tracks that i'm not and basketball wives is goofy like i don't need it but i don't hate it i just like don't listen to it basketball wives and it it depends on the day with packages for me depends on the but i probably i I probably would, would would skip it I think Gibbs tried really hard on packages, and that's what sucks that he put it with that chorus and feature. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like packages and basketball wives, I don't need. Um, but I think the rest, like like Nodima's underrating insecurity. Um, Freddie Gordy is great. Freddie Gordy is great. I, I will like, ride for Freddie Gordy. That's that, probably um, one of my favorite Gibbs songs of all time. Also, Forever in a Day is amazing. Um. Like this, like I said, get you talk about a hook that is effortless and doesn't sound forced is that song. Um, another ten, thing, I, sorry. Oh yeah, oh, no, go go, class, go. Uh, another thing I love about this album, but I crack up every time I hear it, is the chorus on "Careless." Like <laughs> you cannot understand a word he says. Yeah, but it, it's so melodic that I I it, I get it stuck in my head and then I just like mumble things to myself. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you can do just like you can kind of do like his flow, but you can't really do what he's saying. Um, yeah, I I think this album is I, underrated in like overused term, but I think it is, it is it's rating is too. I think it's a great album. I would not be afraid to say it's a great album. Um, I listen yeah. to it a good amount, not as much as like his best albums, like his best of the best. But if you put this album as like his fifth or sixth best project, I, I, I'd be like, yeah, I can see that. I can see why it would be like his sixth best album or something like that, yeah, which yeah. might not say a lot for like some rappers, but for Gibbs, you know, being in the middle of his top 10 is, is a lot. So take, I would take out basketball wives and packages and the rest I really, really like. Well feels, said. Yeah, it feels like kind of a compromise to me. I don't listen to it very much. I put it under right around miseducation as something I hardly ever revisit, but respect. Definitely over miseducation because it has a few tracks that are as good as anything he's ever done. But I can't say I would ever really want to revisit it as a whole project ever again. Well, who knows? Maybe, maybe you'll give it a, a, a listen or, or something or revisit, and you'll be like, actually, I forgot this was dope. I'm not, not ruling it out. Like, I, stranger things have happened. Look at my Paramore ratings. Um, <laughs> all right, so Freddie next, I believe? Or no, no, you only live twice. I live twice, yeah. Oh, how can I forget that? Holy shit. Uh, this is a underrated 3.17. Y'all are fucking shittier morons. Um, yeah. this, this is super underrated. This is a great, great album. This is one of his finest. This is his most rawly emotional project. It just kicks off with three top songs five song. top yeah. five top three Gibbs song in 20 karat jesus the, the, the first three songs on this if you have any problems with them you can not listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah yeah like, crush glass is amazing for sure 20 karat jesus is amazing half this album is amazing yeah the the best the best beat switch one of the best beat switches ever 20 karat jesus also, the outro, I love the outro when it's like, yeah, it's Jesus, you heard right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is your homeboy. <laughs> nah, and just, man, people, certain people, certain diction-shaped people who will be guests on this podcast soon say that Freddie Gibbs does not rap emotionally about things. Clearly did not listen very closely to this album. Yeah, I mean... I don't want to call anyone out, but like saying that Gibbs doesn't have any lyrics that stand out. How could you have listened to this album and possibly think that? Yeah, I, I don't even know because like the crushed glass was the lead single and that should have told you all you needed to know. Right. Like, like, he's talking about the last, you know, year of his life essentially. And how, I mean, how much of a hell that must be like he paid bail 30 grand, I believe. And they, yeah. still, they were like, nah, we're keeping you in there. Like no, and, and it was obvious. It was obvious racism. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, and then you've got homesick. Was that the one where he's talking about uh, his wife bringing in books? Yeah. They were only German books in the jail. I mean, he gets so personal in this album. Really personal. Just the visual of looking at his daughter through prison glass. Yeah, he's talking about like his. his yeah. I feel like coming at it from an English major's nerdy perspective, glass is a visual that comes up through this album, through his lyrics, through the way the instrumentals sound. It sounds like glass separating you from somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Like, trying to break through it. 
it's only it's you know like 30 minutes basically eight tracks it's such an exhilarating listen and people forget like like i was fiending for gibbs like for some new freddie gibbs when this came out like that's 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 the reason why because we were all waiting on this yeah he hadn't taken a year off since miseducation and you know and it wasn't his fault. And that's the thing. Right. He, he wanted to give fans this so quickly. I'm, I'm sure he made this in no time flat, which makes it even more impressive. Like, I feel like most of these songs came together after he was released. Definitely. So, yeah. Real feeling of being written on the fly from the heart, like with no consideration, no second take, pure first thought theater and the way he delivers it. Yeah, I think Amnesia is super underrated, too. I want to point that track out. That mm. track, that beat is incredible. Well, and also, the way he never loses his technicality in the way he raps. Like, he was born... There's um, there's a Danny Brown lyric, never learned to rap, always knew how. I feel like Gibbs is the same way. He just kind of was instinctively given this ability. Like, some people have to teach themselves to rap. Like, if you look at Eminem, he says he forgot how to rap when he got addicted to pills and fell off for a few years. And you can kind of hear that in the way he raps now. He raps for a long time, but, like, somebody who had to reteach themselves how to do it. And so they do it like a technical exercise. Gibbs does it naturally. Danny does it naturally. Currency does it naturally. Yeah, Gibbs is so talented that, like, he could take a lot of time off, come back, and it wouldn't even matter. Like, you just – it's just like riding a bike. It's just not like a muscle that he had to work out a little bit and then come back to it, and it's just natural. And that's the thing. That's what makes Gibbs so special. Like, you know, he wrote this out. Like, he could write a great album in his sleep, you know? And and that's not, you know, to take away from his, his song craft and how, you know, much time he spends on perfecting these albums. But in general, he's so fucking talented that I'm sure he came up with some of these songs, like I said, in, in almost no time. Well, I feel like phone lip might have been something he was sitting on, but the rest of it feels like very immediate, like he crafted it like from his experience that it just happened. Yeah, phone lip's the only one that is holding the album back from being like a nine for me. If phone lip like, wasn't here, this is a nine. I like phone lip for what it is, like a lot actually. It just doesn't fit. I know you said the other day, Patrick, that you said phone lip kind of sounded like him doing like an OVO song. Well, apparently, and here's a little bit of a backstage inside baseball or whatever. The very, very, very first episode of this podcast was a Freddie Gibbs episode. It was a test episode that I did with the former host of this podcast. And he told me, and I don't know, I did not cite, I did not check his citations on this, that I guess Gibbs went like he was influenced by OVO producers on this. I kind of took him in his word because it sounds like it. Yeah, I could see that because he's doing like, it doesn't obviously doesn't sound like Drake or anything, but I could see that this is kind of like a like phone lit was kind of a sounds like nothing Gibbs has done before or since. Right. But also simultaneously, I don't think he's trying too hard, which is which is nice because I think he did try too hard with basketball wives. Like something like that. Oh no, I don't think I mean I think basketball wives was probably goofier than anyone ever read it as, myself included on initial listen. Yeah. It was not like and I think that by the time Now and Later Gators happens on Fetty, it's like he's gotten better at delivering the joke and the audience has gotten better at hearing the joke. At 100%. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think Full It's a cool song. I don't 
I kind of agree with class. Like, I think if Phonelet wasn't on here, I would bump my rating up to a nine because the rest of it is so is so great and so consistent and has some of the best songs of his career and best beats of his career, like 20K Jesus. I think Alexis is a super fucking mean instrumental. And, like, the way Gibbs lands on it perfectly when he's like, I, I first tasted cocaine in 10th grade, like, just coming in on that first verse, like... The way he has honed his flow over time. Like, his flow was always his best quality. His lyrics have gotten better over time. They're always pretty good, even by the standards of, like, listening to his oldest shit. His lyrics were never bad by, like, the standards of, like, a 15-year-old who just, like, was emulating rappers that he liked. He was always good. He got better. Now he's an all-time great. But his flow was always his best quality. And he's honed it to like on this. I, I feel like this album is the best Testament when he's really in a zone and angry about something, even more so than ESGN, which I used to think was his most focused album because he was so angry at Jeezy and his situation and everything. This album was an even worse situation. This album is a Testament to like taking a bad situation and focusing into your art. That's a really, that's a really strong case for this album. So if you have listened to this podcast and you haven't heard that album, do it immediately. So what's next in his discography here, if I'm not so, missing? It's I think it, it is Freddie. It is Freddie. Um, I was going to say, I know one of you two, I'm forgetting this, but oh no, I think we all kind of said that um, earlier that how ESGN was like during the pinata sessions and his rapping was so like elite on that and we knew what his rapping was going to be on pinata. Like in hindsight, you can kind of see like the parallels, even though they're completely different beats. And they're about different things sometimes. I think this, you can see where this, with this album and with Fetty, where he was going to be on Bandana. Because remember, Bandana wasn't really supposed to drop in 2018, right? Right, I mean, yeah. Uh, first of all, who knows? With Ma- I don't trust Mad Love on release dates. Second of all, um, this has Kenny Beats and Adrian Lau listed as producers. Was there just one Kenny Beats on this or several? No, Kenny, Kenny did. It's like half the album. Yeah, oh, he, he did like six songs. Kenny oh, Beats yeah. is people say he does the same shit every time. He did Ben Staples FM, and I thought it was a different producer on every song. Like his his beats are idiot. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna also kind of cape for this album a little bit because I I listened to it. Oh, about, I like this album. I haven't listened to it very much, but I like it a lot. I think it has a lot of variety to it. I like the Greedo track quite a bit. I love that song. It's got the boys in the. It's the boys in the hood. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I love that song. And like, just listening to it, I played it about a week ago um, as a refresher because I knew we were going to do this once Alfredo came out, and it's stuck in my rotation heavy the last week. Even as I played a lot of older Gibbs shit, like this album's really good. And I don't know why. I mean, I get why it's not. It was like well, warmly received, but uh, some kind of lukewarm. I don't. I don't. I disagree strongly. Excuse me with people that say all the beats are the same because uh, that's a lot of the the comment box review section of this of this album is the beats are similar and yeah, Freddie's good on it, but oh man, I wish there was more variety or whatever. Like it's twenty five minutes. Like what do you what do you mean? Like there's not doesn't have that much time to have that much variety and twenty five minutes long with one feature, guys. Like what the fuck. Right. Like, and the only first great. Let's not sleep on the cover here. Oh, the cover's great. The cover is a bay and switch, too. He was like, I'm going to give you the R&B album. Actually, I'm not going to give you the R&B album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was... And the promo for this, if you remember, was all, like, R&B shit. 
<laughs> yeah, so, I remember. I was still on Twitter when this came out, and he was dropping nothing but R&B, like, fucking teasers for this shit. It was great. And I feel like now and later, Gator might have was supposed to be on this, and then you just put it on Fetty, and it was the real bait and switch. Um, but weight is great. Automatic is crazy. Like you said, Death Row. I think Triple Threat and Too Legit, which I just listened to yesterday, um, again, like, those songs are great. The beats on this fucking knock. Like, there is no other way to say it. The beats on this Set Set is one of the best um, Gibbs songs from this era. Set Set could go against any song on Fetty. I will uh, stick with that take. And the only song that I don't that I don't like is the interlude. And it's not it's not bad or anything. I just don't need the interlude. Yeah, uh, I feel the same way. It feels interlude. like he has one song on every album that I could just do without. And it's definitely the interlude on this one. I don't need the interlude on this. It's like fine. It's whatever. Um, Diamonds 2, the way that rides out is so good. And it's not Diamonds 1. Like It's not as good as Diamonds 1, but it's still a, a really good song. And my appreciation for it has risen over the last week because... It sounds good on the speakers. It sounds good on the headphones. Like the production on this is just really good. And I feel like if you wanted, if you're a person who you liked Gibbs a lot on his like 2011, 2012 stuff, but some of the beats sounded a little quote unquote like dated or whatever, like the only they held up very well. I think this is a perfect thing to listen to because it's short, it's compact. Gibbs is great. He's working on his hooks a lot. You can hear it. Like the, a lot of the hooks are simple, but they're still addictive and catchy. And the beats fucking slap. I'm glad you said that about the 2011, 2012 stuff because I think that Kenny Beats came up listening to that stuff, and now the music he's putting out is like a revision of that sort of music, but for artists like now, like Denzel and Freddie, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, he listens to that. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna make that sort of shit now, but not dated sounding, just with the technology we have now. So. I didn't know this was a Kenny project or that he had a bunch of shit on here until now. It makes sense. Uh, yeah, and like Kenny, I think my like I said, Kenny did uh, set set, which is my fa- I think my favorite track on here. Even though automatic is crazy, but the way Freddie does the hook, it's like I could totally hear that being like a hook of a more popular artist and being a hit. And you, so you can tell that Freddie listens to a lot of that music as well, and like he knows what he's doing. Like he has his ear everywhere. I think you can hear it on on this album. Yeah, I one thing that stood out to me was the bass on this album. Yep, this is by far his most trunk rattling album. It, over it's, Midwest, over Midwest. I don't know because I only have the mixtape one of Midwest where it has the like. I think it's kind of engineered that way though. It's like a mixtape. It's kind of I don't know. I always felt like that was the most bass heavy thing he ever did. No, I think I think Midwest was for for just to counter class for real quick. Midwest the Midwest version on streaming doesn't have any of the DJ stuff and any of that. So I don't know if you have any streaming, but I know the Midwest on streaming is like an album, so to speak. Yeah, um, I should I should listen to that because I have the I've just had the one like for a decade now of yeah with, I like with the, all the that. cuts and the DJ shoutouts yeah. on. Yeah. If so. you take away all the DJ shoutouts and all that stuff, like Midwest is is probably a nine. So uh, no, I still have all the DJ shit. I I'm just talking about the beats and the way it's constructed. Actually, I wasn't. Oh no, I, no, no. I, yeah, I was just I was going to what Class said about how he had the DJ cuts. Um. I was just recommending him to not have those. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, no, of course. Like, yeah. 
Uh, Midwest, I think, I think Midwest is a little smoother than this album too, though. Like, I think Midwest has a shit ton of bass. Like to your point, it's definitely trunk focused. And we talked about the UGK influences and, and all of that, the Southern rap influences. But I think Midwest has songs that are that are smoother and ride like smoother more than these songs. Whereas like every song on this tape, for the for the most part, except for Diamonds too, I think is like punishing with the bass and like the sub bass and how hard it hits. I mean, I think they're both equally bass heavy in different ways. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. I, I'm not disagreeing at all. Like you know, or, or or saying anything about the quality of the beats either way. All right. So next one is Patty. Patty. I love this fucking album. I hate when people say currency doesn't rap on it. Thank you. Really pisses me off. Yeah, I feel like you should have the floor first with this one because I know we love this like probably equally, but you being the currency guy on all I am like. This is, uh, First of all, this album wouldn't have happened if it weren't for Currency because he saw Freddie Gibbs in an airport and was like, yo, bro, what happened to the collab album we were doing? I got the beats, I got the verses. What's, what's happening? And so Gibbs just decided to smoke and isolate himself for like a week and come up with the verses for this. And I think they're about equal on it. Um, I don't hold Now and Later Gators against Gibbs because he gives us Willie Lloyd. And I also like Now and Later Gators a lot. I, I actually, I think it's hilarious. I find it yeah. charming. But I also, like, in terms of, like, rapper versus rapper. Like, because he forfeits a rap track on Now and Later Gators. Like, yeah, like, and then Currency goes with no window tints and, and ices it. And then you're like, damn, like, Currency really killed that. Like, is Gibbs going to rap? But then at the end of No Window Tints, you get the, like, who is that? And then, like, the, the sample comes in and then it's just... One of the things I'll say about how well this album is put together is I thought they were both in the studio because of the Rest in Peace Mac thing on Bundy and Sincere. They're not. This was an email album. They just, Alchemist put this together so well that I thought they were together when they did it. I love that currency verse too on Bundy and Sincere. Like he just kicks down the fucking door on that verse and just keeps going and going and going. And then it's, it's just smoothly transitions to Gibbs like, yeah, man, Rest in Peace Mac. And then he goes into his like quick little verse. Blue slap park in the sky. And then, yeah, some peace, Mac. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, um, I've gone through a phase with this album where every track, outside of No no Now Later Gators and No Window Tints, which are still great songs, but I've gone through a phase where every track is my favorite. Like, Location Remote was one of my favorite, was like a favorite. Then The Blow. Oh, and that, dude, it feels like Covert Coop all over again. Seriously. Like, it's the way, like... This album was so fucking good, dude. I never thought it was going to happen. Like, I really didn't think it was going to happen. Because it was supposed to happen way back. Well, originally it was supposed to be Alchemist and Gibbs. Because if you remember on Scotty Pippins, Gibbs starts it off reporting live from the Devil's Palace. It was supposed to be Alchemist and Gibbs, the Devil's Palace. And yeah. then it was supposed to be Gibbs, Alchemist, and Currency forever. And I guess Gibbs forgot about it until Currency reminded him in the airport. And now we got Fetty. Yeah, I think this might be Gibbs at his most quotable, honestly. He has yeah. so many hilarious punchlines on this album. Also, just like his fuck, I mean, his sword is so sharp, like on this album. Like to use it as like a thing I hear on Dead and Hip Hop sometimes. Like <laughs> they're uh, like Gibbs on like a song like The Blow, which, first of all, 
Alchemist went the fuck. Oh, oh, I was just thinking about how good that is. That's like 2001, like fucking Just Blaze, Rockefeller shit on the way he puts that sample. Like, oh my God. This is, I think this is my favorite Alchemist produced thing. Uh, it's not even my favorite Alchemist produced Freddie Gibbs album. Well, I mean, I know. <laughs> okay, it's a toss up between the other one. I'll, I'll say that. It's a toss up between the one that we're going to get to later. This is one of my favorite Alchemist produced things because the beats on here, Saturday Night Special, like. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, like, Alchemist went the fuck in on this. And he, I'm so impressed by the, the soundscapes and the beats on this. How he can go from, like, this jazzy rap stuff to, like, boom bap inspired things and then like he'll give you like black exploitation inspired stuff with new things new things is fucking awesome currency's version that is incredible um like when he currency is so quotable on this too class uh to your to your point about freddie being quotable like currency like i pulled up in a what's this came back in a what's that like you know just li- little little bars that like they're not like you know bars son like you know you know not stuff they, like that those too like they're both technical and just like flow wise just so fucking charismatic like all over it it's amazing like i listened to this for a month straight after it dropped agree i I listened to this i was this has been in my if you look at my like recently played on in my spotify it's been in one of like the five or ten albums for the last month and this is i mean before i even knew we were doing a gibbs episode like this is such a it's 20-something minutes. It get, it's so easy to just throw on and listen to on, like, a car ride or something or, like, while you're, you know, eating. or Just any activity, to me, is, is very comfortable with this album. And Willie Lloyd is an absolute masterpiece from both of them. Beat is so dark and menacing. Gibbs, like, the way he comes in, it's like he's doing the double time and then he goes in with like the black tony tone like that stuff like pour the holy water up into jesus peace like all oh. yeah that and then he goes right back in again like he's just rapping his ass off on that song and the thing is Gibbs doesn't do that every time because he doesn't have to he does it when it means something when he's yeah. coming, like that's what makes him so goddamn good yeah i was just gonna mention that song is so good willie lloyd whenever i hear that beat like when you make the stank face sometimes like yeah. that beat is nasty <laughs> No, I think that is. I'm gonna. I am. That is one of my favorite Alchemist beats for sure. No contest. Like that beat is fucking incredible. And also, Tapatio was was. A t- I think Tapatio is in my. It's hard to say though because every track on here could be in my top three on this album. Like Tapatio though, is nuts. And when Gibbs comes in, he's like, "Kane, Trent, I'm just gonna dribble on this one real quick." <laughs> like. Like you said, he's so quotable, he's so charismatic, he's so funny. I love that beat so much. Like, this all moans. One of the things and about I, Freddie Gibbs is you just watch him evolve as an artist. And he was already good. Like, there's, I mean, it's more rewarding to watch somebody like Mac, who started off who wasn't that good, who didn't get great. But then there's, like, Gibbs, who already started off good, and they get amazing. Yeah. Class, you were going to say something? Uh, I was just, we were talking about how charismatic he is and I was just thought it was funny how like he's doing like a hardcore, like gangsta selling drugs track, but he still manages like the Thanos reference. Like <laughs> yeah. he, he makes the nerdiest references sometimes, I guess at this point, Thanos isn't that nerdy, but yeah. In, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But 
every beat, and also the now and later Gators beat, not to sell Alchemist short again, once again, the now, now and later Gators beat is some like prime black exploitation type sound, like Curtis Mayfield inspired. Um, yeah, this, this album, there's not a track on this that I don't love. And not even like a love, but I don't go back to, like go back to know every word, every beat type type album. I don't skip now and later Gators either. Like when it's on, I don't skip that. Oh, absolutely. When when Gibbs is like, you know, I don't got time for these hoes, truthfully. <laughs> like, you know, just he's just he's just talking shit on it. And and Gibbs even said it on the blow when he comes in and it's like the the money counters sound and he's like, I'm just the king, you know, king of talking shit, you know what I mean? Like he's so it's so easy for him. So Gibbs is Gibbs is amazing, man. Like I could talk about him on this album all day. Yeah. I don't think we have anything other to say than this album is amazing. So let's move on to another one where we're just going to say this album is amazing. Uh, <laughs> Bandana. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you, if you listen to uh, our year end one, I think I talked about this one for about 20 minutes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to steamroll you guys on this one again. So if you guys want to go, I'll say that it took me a little while to warm to this album. I liked it at first, but it took me about six months of having it in my car to love it. Um, which is not, I mean, some, about, I'd say about half of Mad Lib's catalog I love at first glance, and half it takes a little time to set in. The singles I loved at first, and then like the album tracks, it was more like they're really good, but they weren't hitting me, hitting me. But then something like Fake Names or Practice, where it's just like he's never been better. He's absolutely never been better about rapping. Mad Lib has never made better beats. I think people were waiting so long for this album, they wanted to find things to nitpick about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's safe. He made it on an iPad. Who cares? Who cares if he made it on a fucking TI-83 calculator? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't that make it impressive? I mean, it it doesn't sound like he made it on iPad, so like you said, who cares? Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how he made some of these beats. (laughs) Like these beats. Oh man, he made one trap beat. Yeah, it sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, and half cocaine. Like that beat switch is fucking ridiculous. You hate that? Yeah, that beat switch is amazing. That beat sounds like a crack house. Like the way that like he just. And you get like the neck scratching and like the the like sound effects or whatever, like and then the snorting, like Gibbs Madlib annihilated that track. Gibbs is crazy on it. Um I think this is Gibbs' best rapping performance, this album. Um which I yeah. think I think I, I think Patrick No, go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, I was I I wanna keep thinking on my thing. Go ahead. I think this is Gibbs' best overall rapping performance. Um I love this album so much from the jump, but I played it obsessively in the six months that it dropped to the end of the year. And it took those six months, even though I loved it immediately, for tracks like Situations and Practice and Goddamn and like Soul Right. Those songs, which I really loved on first listen, but I would never, I, would, I didn't have moments with those songs. And by like this time now, like a year later, effectively, I've had moments with every song on this album. I think freestyle shit is awesome. Um, it's just Gibbs, like he said on the blow, talking shit. And the, the trumpet, 
how you can make that trumpet not sound annoying because trumpets have a very like <laughs> no i mean look i love don't get I, I love jazz so much but i just mean like trumpets have this pitch where they can sound kind of annoying like i i played band a little bit in middle school like it it, it can be annoying so how madlib makes the horn sound so smooth and effortless and gibbs just floats on that beat and he's do, like once again like that like black exploitation like talking shit thing and crime pays if you don't like crime pays you don't like hip-hop so you don't like crime pays stop listening to this podcast i got a list the way, about, but the way that like the hook is so effortless i keep saying effortless with gibbs the way the hook is so effortless and then just goes into the crime pays crime pays like i just i legitimately sit and listen to music sometimes and i don't know how it's made and this album is is something like that right just sit there and listen to it and i'm like how do you make something this good? And he does yeah. it like 15 minutes. Like he does this shit like, <laughs> like seriously, like, nah, um, class, I, I honestly think, I gotta continue thinking about this class you talk. Um, I think the craziest part about this album is that he gets four of the best rappers of all time, right? Yeah. Pusha T, Killer Mike, Most Def, and Black Thought. Yeah. He pairs them up. And I don't, honestly don't think either song would be on my top five songs on the album because the album's just so good. The album is Palm Olive. Is, in my top five because of that song is just the perfect. But, but push, that's a top five push a verse. That's an amazing push a verse. Yeah. Oh my God. The, oh. What I did to door panels on the wins. I can give you the whole verse right now. So I'm not even going to quote one line because it's just going to lead to me reciting the whole verse. And you're like, yeah, we know. Everybody says push a mad lit album. Like, stop fucking playing with my emotions, please. Like, don't do that to me. <laughs> Fake names yeah. is the best flow, su- subtle flow switch in that I've heard in a long time. I, I can't even. I can't even tell you the last time I heard something because the beat changes so dramatically and his flow changes so subtly, but it works and it's like butter smooth. And I don't know how, I don't know how you do that. Fake names is fucking incredible. Yeah. Fake names, crime pays, flat tummy tea, half man, half cocaine. Uh, Giannis might be my favorite song on the track. That Yeah. Giannis, the way he, the dichotomy between him and Pac, um, he has so many quotables on that. Uh, also, Young, the choice of singles on that were fucking amazing too. And shout out to the title track, not on this album, on the single with Assassin, one yeah. of my favorite songs. Super aggressive, super fucking directed and political. Very relevant right now, by the way. But super relevant, super. And also think about how this it goes from like Giannis to practice. Like think about oh, that, shit. like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this album was so thrown out. That's like the second or third dumbass revelation I've had on this podcast, by the way. Between me not being able to pronounce shit and me, like, having, like, this is like Facebalm podcast for Patrick. Yeah, like, think think about how thought out, and also Cataracts, oh my god. Cataracts is that classic Mad Lib sound, and then it, like, breaks down at the end with the beat switch, and Gibbs is just rapping his fucking ass off. Think about, like, again is supposed to be quote-unquote safe on this aside from cataracts crime pays and soul right and maybe education because education is an old song you don't really get classic mad lib on this no like, he's not at all. other and like the thing mm-hmm. is is after Giannis, because Giannis is kind of like more up tempo and whatever like you need practice to kind of smooth out i mean obviously it goes together because of the 
the reference. But then Cataract's such a crazy song. And I need, goddamn, I need that three minutes to just relax. And then Freddie is just floating on that beat. And I love at the end where he's like, damn, I just want to let this ride out. Like, I remember when he's like starting to talk shit like Kanye at the end of 30 hours. And he's like, yeah. I remember when, oh, oh shit, the beat's riding out already? Ah, oh, fuck it, just keep it, we're good. <laughs> I was like, no, Freddie, I don't want another minute of you talking shit. <laughs> also, since you mentioned it, shout out to Kanye for apparently maybe pulling a long con on fucking the right wing and getting a bunch of their money to pay the people who've been brutalized by the right wing. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't want to jump to it yet. I'm, I'm I'm qualified. Like again, I feel like this was all some publicity stunt that got out of hand. But also, I like the idea that he has a box of red hats that he didn't just have one that he wore over and over because that's the most <laughs> Kanye thing ever. Yo, yo, Gabe, give me a box of them shits. <laughs> Get me a fucking Skitter mega hats. I can't wear the same mega hat twice. Dead stock mega hat. Virgil, right? son, mega mega hat. Oh my god, that shit was that shit was so funny. The Virgil shit was so funny this week. Oh my god, with the Paul I, I don't listen. Oh oh, uh, he he posted like a pro BLM thing on his like Instagram, or whatever. And then like he posted like you know people like those donation things or whatever. Uh, he donated uh, testers or whatever who get yeah. Yeah, he donated to like the Minnesota Relief Fund, I believe. But he he donated fifty bucks. And you're like, you are very wealthy. You could donate a lot more. And he got eviscerated, I mean, eviscerated online. So people started making memes like, I'm going to keep it two Virgils with you. Like, <laughs> 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 and so, of course, he since, since then has donated a lot more. But I just like, he got I mean, annihilated. I'm going to start using the phrase two Virgils on this podcast. You know, but, uh, like, the, you know like the 100 emoji? People put, right. put his face and put... <laughs> And put two red lines under it. People were putting his face in the fifty dollar bill. Like I'm telling you, man, Twitter is quick. Probably dying and like at mass rates never before seen. But the memes are great. The memes are just. I'm telling you, the memes are great. I mean, the memes at about the white supremacists are great too. You have to laugh sometimes. Got to laugh to keep from crying. Seriously. Um, and I feel like Gibbs, speaking of pain, Gibbs, I think, was in a lot of pain on some of this album. Like, you can... Best transitions in the game! Yeah, like, you can... You, for me, like, practice, soul right, education, like, Palmolive, like, there's okay, real... Palmolive. Okay, do we need to talk about the Palmolive line? I, I, I feel like it's been beat to death. I don't care about it that much. Like, it's whatever. It's... I mean, the funny thing about it is I actually get blocked by this dumb fuck on RYM because we beefed about the line on Nasir where Nas wasn't even being anti-vax. The and thing... I would expect any rapper to be anti-vax, it'd be Nas. Yeah. And he's not on that line. That's just <laughs> idiots interpreting it. <laughs> the thing about the Gibbs line... In in defense of it, is that you could argue that? Oh no, with the history of the government, like he yeah, he's citation on that shit, like yeah. the experiment and everything. Like yes, I see where he's coming from. I can see where people would make bad faith arguments using his lines against him. I think Gibbs, like you said, I can see. I think he has reason to be paranoid about the oppressors. I, I think that's that's. It has one of the best push verses ever. And Killer Mike killed that hook. Yes. Um, yeah. Great, great song. And the way it rides out with the skit at the end where he's like, 
you know, I, I ran into, you know, I came home with my wife. They had all day to go to bed. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he pulled out a 45 and shot both of them. And he's, he's like, he's going to the courthouse. And he's like, man, like, I can't, it's the worst day ever. And he's like, yeah, it could have been worse. He's like, what do you mean it could have been worse? I'm like, get the electric chair. And he's like, well, if you came a day before, you would have got me too. <laughs> Just like the way that, and then like, it carries right into fake names perfectly. Like this album was so well thought out. I don't have a bad word to say about it. Black Thought. Are you kidding me? Oh no, Black Thought's verse is amazing. Um, the way it's Black Thought said. Black Thought said, "I heard the world ending, and I try to watch it." Oh, I mean, uh, hello. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I could talk about this album forever, as you guys know, because I'm I'm one of the bigger proponents of it on the website. So it's it's all so damn good. Yeah, it's just, it's an album that I feel like gets criticized by Mad Lib fans for the wrong reason and Gibbs fans for the wrong reason. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I think this album also, I, I, I don't put it over Pinata. I think it's probably the same to me um, because I have such personal connections to both albums. But I think that this album won a lot of people over like oh i mean a lot of music journalists already love gibbs but i think this album like cemented gibbs in a lot of like you know rap nerd talk as like an all a potential all-time great which i think leading into our next segment he followed up on that and i that's when i really start to see a lot of the talk like on twitter and stuff i mean i i would put him there 100 percent. yeah i mean he's one of my favorites ever and I think like all the all the things we've said in this episode have have like rung true. Like he has his influences, but he's able to mend so many of them together into this like persona. And then you've seen that grow and evolve over the years and change with like life experience. And I think his I don't think his rapping has ever been sharper than on Bandana. And that's not even a criticism of his other albums that I love either just as much or slightly slightly less that's kind of what i was saying about fetty is like one of the joys of listening to this guy is he gets better with every album more or less he evolves he whatever you put him over he'll find a way to sound good over it and again not in an insincere cynical sort of way where he's pandering to an audience he's doing this because he loves the music he's a rap nerd who else but a rap nerd would seek out Mad Lib? Like, he had no reason to. He was signed to Young Jeezy's label. I'm like, yo, let me do an EP with Mad Lib. Like, he had no reason to do that. And that led to his career now. Also, he's like Mad Lib's favorite person ever, like now. Oh, like, no. Like, watching them on stage together is fucking heartwarming. Mad Lib did a hot 97 interview with Freddie Gibbs. Like, that's it all you need to know. as fuck the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, Rosenberg could not even believe he was in the same studio. Rosenberg was, like, t- kept reminding the audience, like, guys, I don't think you understand how rare this is. Like, what's going on right now? Rosenberg, that was actually a good Rosenberg interview because he just asked a question, and he was like, Madlib, please yeah. talk. Please, please talk, yeah. I mean, he has dumb questions. He, he yeah. asked really dumb questions, but it was not the worst Rosenberg interview. Like, he didn't ask annoying questions. Was that the interview when Freddie was like, we're not collabing anymore. Like we're an actual group now. That was, he said he was better than doom. Oh, which, uh, 
That was the one when he said he was better than Doom. He said the only rappers that are rapping on my level are Black Thought and Kendrick. I agree with one of that. I agree with both of that, but we don't need to get into this. Yeah. yeah that, an, this episode is already long enough. It's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting take, like to sig- to you know signal those two rappers out. But yeah, um, I don't think we're waiting five years before we get Montana. I bet it comes uh, sooner than that. I mean, the way twenty twenty is going, Montana could drop tomorrow and make this podcast look really stupid. Oh my uh, god! Don't if Montana drops tomorrow, I, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> all right, so there's really nothing between Fetty and Alfredo, right? On this menu. Bandana and Alfredo, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I was trying to make an Italian. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, Alfredo, this is the best Freddie Gibbs project. It's, sir, it's, I don't blame anyone for saying that. So, I'm not going to, I can't argue with it because it's. For, Front it's, to back, from the Alchemist beats to the features to the way Freddie's rapping on it, I cannot find a flaw in this. It's a 10. It is there's nothing wrong with this there is everything right with this conway's verse is a top three conway verse it might be my favorite tyler verse ever it might be my favorite benny verse ever it's a top five rick ross verse ever it's alchemist beats the way he's been evolving them since at the very least the action bronson rare chandeliers collab it's all of my favorite artists collaborating like fucking monsters in a way that just i never anticipated just it came out of fucking nowhere slapped me upside the head yes it's a 10 i will not apologize for it fucking argue with me (laughs) i don't love it that much but i love it um as soon as i heard god is perfect it was my song of the year and i still think that uh frank lucas is amazing yeah i mean the album is really fucking good it's it's honestly incredible like that he keeps doing this shit. <laughs> like I I didn't even have like you mentioned uh class the like when you do like the stank face like after, during a beat or reverse. That was just the whole album for me cuz I put on 1985 and I'm like, "Oh, this is cuz I didn't hear it when it when it came out the day before." And I was like, "Oh, this is this is crazy. Like this is a dope song, good intro." And then God is perfect came on. I was just Oh, Freddie, don't don't do it to him. And then Scotty Beam came on, and I replayed it like four times that first listen. And I think Scotty Beam is still my favorite song on, and is one of my favorite songs of the year easily. Like there are a bunch of songs on here that are my favorite, one of my favorite songs of the year. Like Scotty, the run of God is perfect to Babies and Fools is to I mean not discounting the last two tracks, but just those like those songs. I don't even. I don't even have words. I'm just like, I've listened to this album at least like two dozen times probably like since it came out because it's so easy. You can just throw it on. You can listen to session. Listen to the whole thing if you want. Gibbs is, you know, once again, at his best. Alchemist, to your point, Patrick, is at his best. Um, Scotty B is fucking incredible. Like, Rick Ross said you need a dictionary to write your raps. Freddie, <laughs> Freddie, Freddie, Freddie coming in there with the, the revolution will be televised. My execution or revolution is the genocide. My execution might be televised. Like after the Gil Scott Heron sample at the end of God is perfect. Come on. 
Yeah, rap song of the year until the Arm and Hammer, dro- Arm and Hammer album dropped last night. Now we have like seven rap songs of the year. But, <laughs> I promise I wouldn't talk about that album in this podcast, though. Um, yeah, this was a nine when I first listened to it, and then I wa- I drove to work, and it was in the worst thunderstorm ever, and the storm clouds were mounting, and Scotty Beam came on as like the sky was about to fucking dump on me, and then a fucking it parted after the worst rainstorm I've ever driven on in my life as the Tyler verse came on and something to rap about. And I decided this was a 10. This is always going to be a 10. And this album's fucking perfect. Like, there's not a second I would skip on this album. I feel like it is the pinnacle of what Alchemist has been going for since Rare Chandeliers. I feel like Freddie Gibbs has never rapped better. I feel like this is the rap equivalent of, like, I don't know when these raps were recorded, but it feels as immediate as what Charlie was singing about on how, uh, how I'm feeling now. Um, it's, it feels of the time in a way that does not feel like it's going to be dated six months from now or six years from now. It's fucking amazing. I have not a bad word to say about this album, and fuck you if you don't like it, you'd stop listening to this podcast. This podcast <laughs> has been entirely full of me yelling at people to stop listening to this yeah, podcast. No one is still listening. No, it's exactly. just, it's this is going to be the first YouTube video with negative views. Because <laughs> I, uh... Yeah, Babies and Fools, I think, is my favorite Conway verse. Um, and it's not what Alchemist does where, like, and they'll pause and, like, Conway will be like, you know, I get, I, okay, I need to give my kids all of me. Like, oh, this- yeah, the way he plays that with the sample, the only thing I can think of this year that has done that is Kyle on the uh, Preservation album. He has a solo track on that, and he found a sample that says Kyle on it, and Kyle's talking about himself and his whole life. And they do that whole thing where it's like playing back and forth, call and response to the sample, which I think was really popular in the early 2000s when it was like the whole Rockefeller, like Just Blaze, Kanye, like like chipmunk sample thing. He yeah. hears that. And yeah, like those two songs have done that where there's call and response with the sample. And I fucking love that shit. Um, I love what Tyler does with his verse, starts and finishes with the imagery of the water and talking about something to rap about. Yeah, because like, I mean... It, it, that beat is such a, a yacht rap beat. It sounds like cold water, dude. Yeah. Like, it's so it's so smooth. I mean, and Tyler, his verse is like, you could say it's scatterbrained, but the way it connects yeah. to each other at the end, because it's, the song is literally called Something to Rap About. He's just, it's something to rap about. Like, and that's... that's oh, Tyler verse. I think Tyler has gotten so much better as a rapper in the past two years. Like, I really feel like he's only rapped over a few verses lately, but every one he's rapped over has been incredible. The one on the West Side album. Yes. And uh, fuck anyone who doesn't like that because he sings at the beginning. Yeah. His singing sounds great, too. And then, yeah, I, I actually really love that part. I'm just impressed by all the like real rap head features Tyler's giving right now. He goes on Gibbs and goes on Westside. Yeah, he, he had to, you know, after you know, after Igor, he had to win back that community, you know. Right. Yeah, that, that one, that one didn't land. All right, guys. All right. I, I didn't know that was supposed to be a joke. Oh, uh, maybe it wasn't a joke, dude. That was like so dry; it didn't even seem like a joke. <laughs> wow, wow. All right. Well, I was just like yeah. You know, I don't know if real rap fans like Tyler. I have no idea. Yeah, I think they all hate them because I've, like, tried to, like, whenever I have to add, like, 
I tried to paste the uh, West Side song in the Discord or whatever. So I've seen the YouTube comment threads in passing. And the, yeah, they hate Tyler. They all hate him. I mean, at least it shows the rappers like him, though. Because those are great rap verses, dude. Like, he raps his ass off on the fucking West Side album. Like, he sounds like Earl on a few of those. Like, I hear Earl influence on, like, a little part in the middle there. Like, I feel like he's become, I don't know. When did I become a Tyler? I mean, Remember when I hated Tyler? Tyler? No, Tyler said, like, because um, he had, like, the, you know, glitter on my neck matched the glitter on my fingernails. And he was like, hey, like, he, he said to West Side, like, when he sent him the verse, he was like, is this too much? Like, I don't know. He was kind of, like, not sure about it. Yeah. Because Westside said this in an interview, and Westside was like, no, that's hard as fuck. Like, I'm putting it on the album. Like, you know, say, like, if, if anyone doesn't like this, like, you know, fuck them, man. That's just you doing you. Like, da-da-da. So. I don't know if I said this on the podcast or as long as I was talking to you guys, because my brain is mush and time is irrelevant right now. But one of the things I heard on the Call Out Culture podcast was they were talking about how Westside is really good about features. Like, he's a huge rap nerd, like Drake, like fucking uh, that guy we were talking about. I don't know, Pill, um, fucking uh, Wayne Blaze, the guy on a, that song. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so he's a huge rap nerd, so he keeps all these features in his pocket, so he knows who sounds good on what. So he's going to rep for those guys. So he's going to put fucking Tyler on the song Tyler Sounds Good On. And... Yeah, so I feel really bad for thinking Westside was boring for so long. The last thing I would ever call Westside Gun is boring. And, you know, all these reviews I have on RYM, I'm like, oh, man, this dude's boring. I need to <laughs> those reviews. Um, no, he's he's definitely one of the most charismatic out, as is best transition in the game, as is Freddie Gibbs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and this is... I haven't, no, go ahead. I, haven't, I haven't heard... Much from you. I don't want to. I don't want to drown you out here. Yeah. On All right, class. Uh, like, what do you? So yeah. So you think where's Alfredo stand in his whole discovery for you? Um, probably at the tail end of the top five. I mean, it's a great album. I had the uh, pleasure of driving from Ohio to Tennessee last weekend, so I just got to play it like over and over again, and it's yeah, it's pretty good. I would. Uh, I have it. Well, I have it third technically, but to me, Pinata and Bandana are one A and one B, so it's really two, if if that counts. I think this has the potential for me to grow into a ten with time. So I will I will definitely give you that, Patrick. Because right now it's a it's a very high uh, four point five, very high nine, and it's my second favorite album of the year easily. Um, and 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 that that says a lot to say second favorite because it's been such a strong year but yeah yeah this album this album's awesome there's not a thing i don't like about it um the benny feature's great i know patrick brought it up might be his favorite benny feature it's definitely definitely up there probably my favorite um and and look at me that song barely has any drums on it if at all it's just like addiction hates that song Oh, I'm sure because it's very like airy. <laughs> it's very like airy and weightless and. What did he give this? What did he give this? Three stars. He gave it, yeah, he, he gave, gave it a three. Yeah. Three stars for addiction is like three and a half for everybody else, though. So I think I think he likes it. He just doesn't want to admit that he fully likes it. It's my take. It's my hot take, addiction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 Oh, go ahead, class. I was 
just going to say, I mean, it's just, he's getting the perfect lengths right now. Like 35 minutes, 10 songs, like perfect length, you know, no filler at all. It doesn't overstay. It's welcome. Every it's great from beginning to end. I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah. yeah and this was just, I mean, I go ahead. And I was just saying, like, who knows how long this took? Like, this might have been something that they, I mean, it's pasta, but who knows something, how much they whipped up, like, in, in, uh, in quarantine. So, like, who, who, who knows? Like, who knows? I don't know how long this took them to make, but Gibbs is the type of rapper right now where he can just put out albums that he's made in a short period of time, and they're better than your career peak albums. Yeah, real quick, just in case anybody missed it, some things I wanted to touch on um, that we didn't get to because Freddie Gibbs has a fucking massive discography full of good shit that you should listen to that we wanted to talk about. Uh, we did talk about Old English for a half second, but Old English is a single that uh, Young Thug, ASAP Ferg, fuck ASAP Ferg, and Freddie Gibbs did together. It's really awesome. Listen to it. Uh, World's My Ashtray, Freddie Gibbs, and Ski Beats. Really good. Uh, Cocaine Parties in L.A., Freddie claims he got the No More Parties in L.A. beat before Kanye did. I think he's just talking shit. But these beats existed for uh, the original Watch the Throne that was supposed to be just Mad Lib beats with Jay and Kanye. So there's a million stories going on about this. Either way, Freddie goes over the No More Parties in L.A. beat. Sounds awesome. Uh, All Day is Freddie Gibbs, Mike Dean. Fucking awesome, as you would expect. Um... Also, the Shame, Bad, Bad, Not Good remix is great. Oh, yeah. That's really cool, too. Um, there was a full album remix of Pinata by a dude named Alex Goose that I gave a 7, so I must not have hated it. I don't remember anything about Alex Goose. He doesn't have anything else on his RYM page. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Do your own research. Comment as you see fit. Uh, yeah, so best intros, worst intros in the game. I can't believe I just said best. Uh, worst outros in the game. Uh, best outro in the music game. Okay, I just paused because I'm... So, like, seriously, we had really good discussions for, like, three hours. But the first five minutes were trash. And the last two minutes are trash. Because whenever I have to think about what I'm doing, it sucks. <laughs> uh. Outro music. And now I have to think about what it is, and it's Can Kick, and it's Staggered Pace off of one of the Warped District albums. Shout out to super producer Kitten Puke. And as always, we are living off borrowed time. Thank you, Class TK, for joining us. Next week, we'll have another topic for you that I can't remember, because when I try and remember things, I stumble over my own words, and I had a stroke. We're living off borrowed time. See you next time. Peace. It ain't gonna never stop. It ain't gonna never stop. It ain't gonna never stop.
when the time is right, perhaps the greatest revelation of all time will dawn upon us.